0: and gentlemen, it is Thursday, December the 7th, 2017, and as we inch ever closer to a big fat guy with a beard sliding down the non-existent chimneys of most condominiums that people live in in 2017, we have another episode of the Technical Alpha Podcast, ripe for the watching, live, as the video game awards are also happening right, <laughs> right now. So no pressure. It's a two-man show. Jeff, uh, is- is currently trying on Fifty Shades of Under Armour. The only two that matter, though. This is true. This is very true. Uh, but he's off- he's off in Never Never Land right now, uh, doing that with Under Armour. He's gonna be the next Wayne The Rock Johnson, you know? He's gonna have, um, his own line, I think. You know Jeff, I, the pebble Johnston. Yes, the pebble. It'll be the pebble, uh, and instead of the bull, it'll just be like a calf. <laughs> uh, I think it'll work. Maybe great. a
1: milking cow, and, I, and I a nice sturdy milking cow.
0: I I enjoy the fact that the webcam—not for you, but the webcam on the stream. Uh, apparently, I'm jaundice. I've yeah. I've just. This is a recent development. I have become jaundice. I'm living in some faraway time where that was actually something that you could pull off without living in a third world country. Let me back off on this. I'm either jaundice or invisible. So we're going to go with a combination of the two. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, and that you had a lovely last week as we, we do ramp ever closer to, uh, what many people celebrate the most expensive time of the year <laughs> for many folks. Panic, how was your week? Ah, uh, going along, going along. Uh,
1: at a holiday party yesterday. Um, been gaming, getting some stuff packed up, and overall enjoying the slow pace week.
0: Mm, slow pace is great.
1: yeah, we're going into like our code freeze at work like next week, so everything's just kind of slowing down. and they're like, all right, you can work on stuff that's been packed up for over a year.
0: So this is this is the, uh, we're not going to take up. on any new projects. This is time to try and buff out the crap before the end of the year.
1: Like, hey, you know that amazing thing that you wanted to build but never had time? Yeah, don't work on that. Just do all the tech stuff. You know that whole tech debt thing we were talking about like a week or two ago? Yeah. Yeah, you got to start paying that shit back in like the next month. That's all you get.
0: <laughs> it's the fun time. Yeah. I didn't have any of that. I basically, my my week has been... Uh, mod Oblivion and play Oblivion. Yeah, I've noticed you've been in Oblivion. That's been, that's been, that's been my week. I had a random, uh, like, it just popped into my head. It was just a couple weeks ago, and, and it was just like, you know what, Oblivion? I tried, uh, Brian and I tried playing it, um, last year. I couldn't get the mods to work without the game crashing once every three minutes. Um, and... But I was like, you know, that can't... I I was obviously doing something horribly, horribly wrong uh, for that to be... Th- I mean, I know Oblivion's unstable, but it's not that unstable. So I, I was like, you know what? Let's see what happens if I go back and give her a go. And it was just kind of something for me to do when I was off stream. And it turned out that everything looked so good and ran so well. I was like, well, I might as well, you know, play it. And it does extraordinarily well on my stream. So more oblivion coming well yeah look the numbers just up so we're gonna keep playing some oblivion it's weird you never you never know because you forget sometimes or i forget sometimes as a streamer that despite the fact that a game you know might have zero people watching it or like five people watching it at any given time people can follow individual games on twitch and I forget about that free feature all the time because I myself definitely don't use that feature. So, um, <laughs> despite the fact that there was only like two people and a dog, you know, when I was going live with oblivion, I ended up with on the first day, I had 180 people on the stream, which was like, which is twice my normal number anyway, these days. And, uh, the follower counts, or when you look at the stat page for Twitch and who's coming in through the browse page I was like what the fuck how is that even possible there's nobody on the browse page how could that even happen and then it dawned on me that people <laughs> use the follow game feature and so yeah that's been that's been kind of fun but yeah I've been having a good uh, a good time with it anyway uh I feel like I'm not actually missing anything in the gaming world particularly at the moment uh, I have a backlog of stuff to review to to say the least but as far as uh, the usual suspects. Everything seems to be just kind of whatever. Uh, and we're going to be talking more about that. I know that we've talked about the same three games now for like almost a month straight. Yep. You know, we touched on this last podcast as well. But uh, the fact of the matter is, because we're coming up on the end of the year, the only things that are happening right now are a couple of companies screwing the pooch royally on a weekly basis and game of the year contention. And that's like the only things. They just keep updating and keep digging the holes. Yeah. So, you know, we have some stuff that's not necessarily directly tied to that uh, to talk about this week, but we do totally still also have some of that stuff to update for you guys. The first one is that uh, EA is apparently considering just scrapping microtransactions altogether.
1: So, and this wasn't from CEO Wilson. This was from the CFO, um, Jorgensen, or I don't even know what his name is. Anymore.
0: Some Swedish guy.
1: Yeah. The, the, the Swedish, the IKEA guy. Um, he pretty much came out and said that um, we're reevaluating um, if microtransactions and how that's going to come into play if it is. Um, this is kind of them coming back off of the, it's coming back definitely into a, yeah, we're not really sure. Um, so, Personally, I don't necessarily think that's going to be a good thing because I feel like EA is just going to be like, "All right, we made our money on box sales. Do to do, do, move on to the next Star Wars mm. game and just be done with it."
0: Yeah, I, I mean, if if they, you have to imagine that some of the stuff that we talked about last week, where we discussed that, um, random governments at random various levels of government around the world, <laughs> like we had some, not was a good like place to be when that starts happening, Hawaii. And then there was like the one over in, in Europe, which a Belgium or something was doing yeah. it and, and just all over the place. But when that stuff starts to pop up, you don't really want to, you don't really want to maybe risk holding out to see how that plays out. You might want to be a bit proactive. And so maybe this is them being proactive. The one thing I'm most interested in is how this, if at all, um, affects their FIFA franchise, because that's where oh, yeah. like half of their revenue is. Uh, it's like eighty percent of their revenue. Yeah, it's like FIFA's. Uh, what do they call FIFA's uh, Pro Ultimate p- Team? Ultimate Team. That's it. Uh, and uh, so, if they if they backpedal on that stuff, uh, they're gonna have to have. I mean, they're going to have to find a different route for for revenue, or their stock price is going to just crash, and not and not insignificantly crash either. Yeah. I mean, we've seen we've seen in the last month or so they dropped ten percent in November, and they dropped another, uh, like what was it, another billion or something the other.
1: Oh my God! Like their stock price is—I think they were at a hundred the other day. I haven't even checked today, like where their numbers have been. Um, but yeah, they they took a hit on their market cap. The reasoning. Can't, they they've still been getting negative press on this, um and at this point there is a possibility that they might lose their exclusivity license there's a pretty sizable petition out there that's got over a hundred something thousand signatures mm, for Star Wars yeah to lose the exclusivity on the star Wars license, and that's going give them that's going to hit them even harder um and Disney is hyper focused on this right now it's a big problem for them. So, we'll see what happens. I'm curious um, what EA solution is. They've been putting out patches, and they've been doing some updates. They had some really stupid bugs in the progression system. Like, um, it came out that you could open a loot box. They would award you crafting material, like the crafting part things, um, which are already rare and hard to come by. Mm. And you wouldn't actually get awarded them. You'd get, like, an error, and it would never award the crafting pieces to you. What? So it'd be like hey you got five crafting pieces and people were like going back and re- no it didn't actually give me the five crafting pieces. Oh no. So, you know, that they've been getting hits there but you know at the same time they've been increasing it, it's like they fix one thing and then something else lights on fire. Yeah. With the progression system. So.
0: Yeah, it's 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 all a mess one way or yep. another for EA and it's not just it's not just central to the to the Star Wars issue. I mean, like we are, like we just mentioned, FIFA is the big problem here. It's the one that nobody's talking about yet. But if they if they start to mess around with their use of microtransactions, then FIFA is going to be where they get hit the hardest, and by yeah, a, a very significant. Uh, That's margin. why they're
1: trying to like back off some of this stuff because they realize that if someone like goes and actually like looks at the rest of the stuff that EA's been doing. And they see, hey, this is where a lot of their income is. They're going to be, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's a risk.
0: Well, they're overvalued, but somehow the people investing in them have not figured out yet that the company yeah. is overvalued.
1: I actually can't comment too much on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I know, I I really can't. So. No, I no, yeah. I I understand. No, I, I get yeah. why you can't uh, yeah. comment on it, but I will comment on it. And oh, fair enough. Uh, uh, people miraculously, for one reason or another, haven't figured out that the company is overvalued. So the only thing that's going to happen now, the only, there's only two, there's only two scenarios I can think of right now. There are a handful of, of major investors, um, in EA that are, uh, aware of this and are going to short the ever living fuck out of EA, uh, in the coming months, uh, to the, you know, sometime in the next calendar year, end of 2018, when most of these changes are going to be announced and make an absolute butt fuck load of money. Or they're all actually retarded. This is the only two options that we have here is that they they are not they are not researching the the companies they're investing in. Period. Full stop. Or they know it's the case, but they're along with the people that don't know the information, and they know it's eventually going to happen, and they're going to short in a window of time where they uh, they get to make some money back. Either way, EA is going to lose a lot of money. <laughs> One way or another, no matter how they tackle this problem, I can't see... I, I can't personally see a route that they can take as a company without taking a significant hit because of the pillar that is FIFA. Like, if... They, they're just not divested. They, they've got nothing else. It's FIFA, and then, like, the next, the next closest pillar is, like, a, a, a fucking footnote uh, somewhere on their financial line. So, I don't know how they do it. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, I just... Uh, I feel sorry for some of the other companies that are under the EA umbrella right now because they're going to be scapegoats, three hundred percent on it. And we've already seen them shutting down other uh, other devs underneath their, their umbrella to begin with. So uh, I wouldn't EA be shocked. EA games when yeah. go to die. <laughs> yeah, and I, thought, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more of that. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's happening. Destiny, Destiny also continues they just when you holes. think that we've we've hit the bottom for destiny Bungie finds a new low i don't know if you wanted to take that i was just waiting for yeah. you to take that yeah, yeah, from yeah. me no they um they <laughs> I, I don't know you like the way you did it it's like I, he's got something now no, no no so pretty
1: much what happened um is with curse of the osiris um and again i'm not the expert on this i was talking to some people earlier today who were like really upset about it mm. um but I read a bunch much, about it too. Yeah, um pretty much with Curse of the Osiris Destiny actually pay gated the content for the for the DLC. Um it used to be like you would like people could still play the content and you'd have the full pool of players to be able to play it but like they wouldn't necessarily be able to collect the loot or get some of the rewards and stuff. Um but yeah, no, you just don't get access to it. So what ends up happening is you have the have and have not people, yep. which I'm not entirely against, but it just makes the player pool so, smaller. And you get a lot of like fragmentation later on as stuff comes out, and it just gets messy for like
0: matchmaking and stuff. Well, here's here's where the biggest complaint lies: is it's not necessarily that they're fragmenting the base based on by you know content yep. you purchase, right? Because I don't think many people complain about that. I think they understand yep. that it's operating under an MMO structure and yep. instead of a monthly fee. Once every few months, you're going to pay you know 20, 30 whatever uh, for the next chunk dollars, of content. Yeah. yeah, but the problem is. They changed the content that was available in the vanilla you know base game. Oh, I didn't realize that part. so I they they, they off. basically increased the level in in which you know requirements there. and so you you can't you you're actually even though you were previously getting into these things, I think the way that it works is because they increased it to kind of scale with the uh, with the content that's come in. You can technically still do it, but you don't. Ha- you can't physically get the level, the leveled gear to be able to truly complete it. And if you do, you're like some sort of fucking savant god, <laughs> because you you have to overcome, you know, your gear at that point. So but
1: then, on top of that, though, with the whole savant level of getting the gear. Um, some of the new stuff and some of the other stuff that they've introduced actually breaks and is not balanced against, like, PvP stuff. Like, I think there's, like, this Prometheus lens gun people have been talking about that's completely and utterly broken in, um, in like, PvP mode. So it's like people are now getting punished for not having certain things or they're, like, def- like they just didn't balance the new stuff. So it's, like, kind of showing that it's... Little bit minorly paid to win in a sense, because yeah. like they just haven't balanced it they're like, oh yeah, no, if you get this thing, you can you know you can get this amazing gun thats gonna make you completely o p so it's kind of yeah. like just showing that they're not really caring about no. balance or like you know, and I've seen a lot of
0: complaints about that gun too, yeah, like it's it's been the the two complaints I've seen were for those two things, you know for people playing the p v p it's are you freaking kidding me? this thing is like any, there's no play testing required here. It didn't need to be released into the wild. Anyone with a head screwed on their shoulders could have discovered that this gun was going to be completely broken, which yeah. tells you pretty much immediately that they're well aware of it and yeah. they're, they're doing it for uh, people to move up and, and have a chance to have that weapon. That's basically what they're, what they're doing. Um, which again, is like,
1: comes right after they said, Hey, we're going to try harder to, you know, follow up on your feedback. You're like, seriously guys, yeah.
0: like this is, this is what you did. I don't really even have a problem with that necessarily. If they want to break their PVP, fucking go nuts. I don't think yeah. Destiny 2's PVP is good to begin with, so it's kind of whatever. the The problem for me, the biggest problem for me here, is the fact that they gated original content, uh, end game content that people had available to them. Um, that's not cool. Uh, yeah. You're basically just taking away something somebody already paid money for. Uh, you're not in an, an in an MMO monthly subscription structure where somebody can only play if they're paying $15 per month. You're releasing this stuff in DLC packs that gate based on DLC, but the new DLC should not be modifying the content that came it previously. should like backport things, yeah. Exactly. If you're going to do that, you might as well just live in a truly MMO uh, you know, revenue structure where you charge $15 a month. And just be fucking done with it. But they they're not doing that, so that's that's probably the biggest issue here. And it will be, um, you know, up to Bungie to to obviously to see just how much they respond to this because the community again is quite uh, upset about it. And oh it's, yeah,
1: They've, it's, been, it's been surprisingly vocal.
0: It's been it's and it's been in vogue for companies to respond or or at least uh, at least show that they are sort of responding to uh, community feedback. So uh, that will be definitely something to keep an eye on uh as well speaking of f- company feedback um and and <laughs>
1: is this the one i think it is are you going off the list i gave you
0: uh sort of we're we're okay. we're going to we're going to dump into actually you know what i'm going to inject a different one here before we get okay. to that okay uh i i forgot to put it in the list on 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 twitch here but it doesn't much matter uh we're going to we're going to we're going to skirt into Patreon is the next Ooh. one we're going to talk about because feedback is very real for this one. So for those of you listening, um one in 4 of you are a Patreon member and that's fucking incredible. That is an inc- a really high ratio ratio to have. Uh, awesome. and we love each and every fucking one of you because, uh, we don't have a massive show, but we are pulling in, um, you know, uh, phenomenal margins for the We're size punching in a few
1: way classes higher than we should. Exa- be. Exactly. We completely so acknowledge that's because of how awesome you guys are.
0: You're, you're killing it. So, uh, when stuff changes on Patreon, it, it, it it can either be good or bad for us because we want, we want to be able to provide a, a opportunity for you guys to support us as best as humanly possible and as fair as humanly possible, which is why we went with Patreon to begin with when we started this podcast is that it made the most sense for, um, uh, their deliverables that they had on deck. Uh, and the, Structures of payment that they had for a podcast environment made great sense. So, um, just in the last 24 hours or so, Patreon has announced that they are changing the way that uh, their payment structure works entirely overhauled. And they're spinning it in like uh, they're not fooling anyone, but they're spinning it in a way where they're saying that they always want to put. The content creators first, which is, so this is complete horseshit. Thing,
1: this is the thing that bugged me about it, right? Um, so, and again, I, I, I got an email about this earlier. Um, I was reading it literally at work, and I was groaning while I was reading it. I'm sure, Adam, you got the same one. Yeah. Um, and they were explaining out that, you know, based on fees and stuff that get charged, the content creators are effectively not necessarily getting all the money. So everyone kind of acknowledges that. So then they said, hey, we're gonna ensure that the content creators always get ninety-five percent of what we give them. But I was like sitting there and thinking Somebody like, has to pay for it. I'm like, that's those fees aren't coming from you though. Those fees are like coming from like PayPal or whatever else. So like when you pay out the money, someone else is already taking like a middleman cut. Which is like, okay, fine, I get that. But what they're doing is they're not they're they're saying they're gonna give us the ninety five percent, but then they're charging you guys, the patrons, like what those fee amounts kind of average out. And I was like, it's like, what, 2.9% and 35 cents or something.
0: It's yeah. It's, it's something along those
1: lines. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I'm like, and Adam, you might have a different opinion on this, but Mm. as like a creator, I kind of understand where my patrons are coming from, where they want to contribute Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if there's fees and stuff associated with it, yeah, just let that happen in the back end. That's fine if I don't get the full amount that's shown on there, right? Yeah, it sucks, but you know, it it it's kind of a nature of you know payment processing. Yeah, but Patreon is kind of like, you know what? No, we're gonna charge the patrons. We're gonna actually charge them more. And I'm like, that's kind of messed up because like they're already doing above and beyond. They're putting in the work. They're putting in the effort. They work hard for their money, and you know they want to give us like a contribution. Don't hit them up for more money. And then don't frame it as if you're trying to do something for the content creators. I feel like that's kind of, like, disingenuous, because, like, we know PayPal's still going to get their fee, and Patreon's still going to be paying—we're still going to be not necessarily getting that full amount. So, like, I don't know. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know how, like, you personally felt when you read it.
0: Well, that's pretty much how everyone views this. I haven't haven't read a single response to this that has been any different than that, because— because that's just how it is they've effectively patreon has taken the fact that they have processing fees shifted it off of themselves and by proxy shifting it off of the content creators and putting it on to the patrons while also still taking a 5% flat cut of the patron uh, of, the, of the patreon creators uh income so they have while they have technically reduced the amount of a cut taken from the the creators, they have increased the amount of money that they make on every uh, pledge for themselves. They really haven't,
1: though, because if you think about it, like, yeah, they take out their fees and everything, but when they pay out to us, we still get that PayPal fee hit, right? No. Oh. well,
0: Well, when... When we no, because on pay, on PayPal when we when we transfer out of there, we're not getting we're not getting hit for, for uh, fees. No, the no, the no fees, when they transfer to the us. fees the fees involved previously were fees that we would cover based on um, a patron signing up uh, and going through that that transactional fee because just the transaction of taking the monthly stuff in and out of pay, like this is nothing because yeah. the amounts are so large. But if, you, if you're if you doing like these $1, $5, $50 en masse across the website, then the fees add up. So they were shifting those fees onto or you're the content. They are shifting it back onto the, onto the person. Cre- yeah, the content yep. creators. But now they're shifting it onto the payers. That's messed up. Uh, which is, uh, which okay, so let me put this into into frame further. So for those of you who are a, uh, a supporter of any content creator on Patreon. And odds are, if you're supporting us, you're probably supporting one or two or more other people. Um, that's just kind of the market in which Patreon operates. If somebody supports one, odds are they're supporting, uh, more than one. If you're, if you're providing, let's say $20 and higher, this is not going to affect you particularly huge amounts. Um, but, uh, but if, you're in the one to ten dollar let's say range or one more specifically let's say more dra- drastic, uh, drastically let's say one to five dollars you're in that range um and you're giving that to multiple creators that's going to add up for people that are that are uh supporting multiple uh patreon pages uh on the site and furthermore uh it it almost renders dollar club type stuff frivolous it almost makes it I useless feel like
1: patreon is doing this intentionally so they can knock out all those like low tier because effectively if a dollar donation actually costs like a dollar 40 or something that's going to reduce the number of people contributing at that tier by a substantial margin and it's going to reduce the cost for patreon because they're going to have much less of those coming in and it's like
0: but why it is not reducing the cost for patreon at all though because we were covering the fees
1: no, but um, usually by when you're when you're on the business when you're business and you're doing large scale processing, um, the far side processor will, in addition to normal fees, they'll usually give discounts to the like the facilitator based on like the number of transactions you do, and they you know you get less incentive depending. It's like bucketed.
0: No, you know, no, so I like, get I yeah. get you, but normally yeah. normally volume reduces the, the fees associated with it. So lower end, lower end Patreon pledges at the at the levels in which they. I mean, Jim Sterling only has one tier and it's a dollar. Yeah. Um, and he's, like he's got impact him thirteen thousand some yeah. fuck like endless number of people. Now that doesn't mean that everyone that's involved with him is. Giving a dollar, that's just the lowest amount that uh, yeah. like they can give. Like like It has a one tier.
1: They says it's a do- You get whatever tier, and then you can say, I want this tier, but I'll give more.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like I just want this, but I'll give more than than the dollar. So there are people obviously giving more than a dollar oh, yeah. for him because you can just easily see based on the number of people he has and the amount yeah. of money he makes every month. But the uh, but yeah, it it does it 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 reduces for everyone involved it just fucks everyone yeah. uh, at that point except for Patreon and so somebody put a a pretty reasonable um a pretty reasonable thread together on Twitter and I retweeted uh I retweeted it earlier um examining why they think this is happening and uh essentially it comes down to the fact that Patreon has taken on I think they're on Series C or D at this point in funding. It's one of the big ones, yeah. And they took in like $40, million, 30 million, 40 million in $30 last $40 in this last round. In the last year, they've doubled the size of the company. And so at this point, odds are, if you get to Series D or whatever, the percentage left of your company that you actually own is tiny. Very little, yeah. Uh, it's a couple of the owners at the top have a, have a chunk, and then that's the show uh they have a, a a small percentage and then it's divvied up amongst uh investors at that point and uh so the investors at that point have a a really big voice and they say look we just gave you all this money we still have a timeline in which we want to get our money back and start making money on our investments so you need yep. to you need to start coming up with ways to uh to this increase actually- this revenue
1: this fee structure and this whole, like, setup reads to me like a venture capitalist or someone who came in or is now on the board came in and said, this is how we have to do this. This is how we're going to make your money back. This is how we're going to pitch it. This is how we're going to put it out. And you guys need to raise X dollars or we're going to have a problem.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and you know, this isn't, this isn't a... Uh, an uncommon situation for mm-hmm. for companies of Patreon size to uh, you know to to be caught up in. A lot of people see dollar signs and they just yeah. run wild. If Patreon, it's like a huge source, like
1: for a venture capitalists looking at this. They're oh saying, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of people just giving money. How do I get a cut of that money? I want a piece of that action.
0: Now, the really interesting part about this whole thing is if you read that thread, they also go into. Um, Patreon's, you know, how much money Patreon generates in revenue, um, you know, on a yearly basis versus how much money they've raised and then the ratio. So when you're looking at when you're looking at venture capitalists coming in and excuse me, giving you capital, generally it's done on a on a on a on on a pretty tried and true, you know, we're gonna give you at most upwards of Let's say what was it twenty times between? It's between ten and twenty times your revenue is the is yeah, the is much. the valuation of your company at on a good day, and you only get towards the top end of that if you're like a triple A fucking well, like all diamond really, in they, the rough. Yeah, what they really
1: want to see. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not I'm not like fully a startup person. I just have a lot of people in this space that I know. But from my understanding, what they mainly care about is one your your total revenue. Yeah. Um what your burn what your burn is, like how much you're spending. Yep. Um which is your obviously margins, like a net. Yeah, you're your net. Yep. But then on top of that, they want to see like actual cash flow. Yep. Like what's coming in and then how you're leveraging that. Like are you able to turn a dollar in like the main ratio is when you get a dollar in, how much can you turn that dollar into?
0: Yep. Right? So it's all based on margins. It, they want to, they yeah. want to see good margins. And if they don't see good margins, they generally walk. And yeah. so it's it's a very rare and these I mean
1: VC contracts have some pretty vicious clauses in oh, them.
0: Oh it is gnarly. They I've get your I've hooks, only they been your hooks in you. I've only been part of four different meetings for VCs and they were the most <laughs> terrifying fucking meetings of my entire life um because they're savage and for good reason. They're about to dump millions of dollars <laughs> into it into a product they need to be savage because why else would they be comfortable with with investing all this money
1: this is actually interesting because my cousin um he actually literally he built a startup from scratch Mm. um sold it recently and has transitioned over but he's actually doing like a whole podcast vlog series about his whole process which he's just launched
0: coincidentally
1: Coincidentally, no, the only reason I brought it up is it's literally on topic, but like he actually is gonna talk about like all of this like crazy stuff yeah. from like raising funds to like how stressful it is when you're in the comp when you're the company and you're like, Oh shit, we need more money and we're burning like we have a lot of revenue, but well, we have to grow. It like crazy. And it's yeah. like we're literally lighting money on fire to keep the doors open. Um got do another round, oh shit, how what am I gonna have to sell this time? Yep. Like, what, what am I soul am I have to give gonna give away? So it is, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting it's, cutthroat space.
0: It It is. It's, it's super crazy. And so when, when you get a situation like Patreon, if you look at the, at the, at the revenue brought in versus how much money they've raised, they're getting, they're getting twice as much as what usually the highest end in terms of a ratio of, of revenue to money invested yep. than most, most any other startup ever. Um, their job
1: is literally, we will take other people's money to like shuffle it around, yeah. and then we take a little piece. So they're like a little middleman payment processor.
0: Exactly. So Which, if venture capital
1: looks at that and like, oh, there's money coming in. I can easily get a piece of that.
0: Easy. So it's a it's a really interesting situation. I think, uh, I think that they would be wise uh, to pay attention to the feedback because... Oh, it ain't good. Patr- Patreon is in a unique position where there's really nobody else challenging them right now. Uh, Uh, on the streamer
1: side, Kickstarter is going to come out soon. Yeah, I was was going to get to that. So,
0: so right now in, in the, in the year 2017, December 7th, um, there's not really much immediately pressuring them. And so, uh, they, they're kind of free to do some of this fuckery, uh, to a degree. However, uh, I mean, there's pl- things that exist, like Game Whisp, because Game GameWisp is going nowhere, they're going to tread water from now until the end of time, uh, they'll have, like, their little tiny pocket carved out, and eventually somebody will get tired of running the company, sell it off, and it'll be whatever. But, um, but it, as far as real, honest-to-goodness competitors for Patreon, right now, they don't exist, but they're coming. And like you just mentioned, uh, probably the one that will garner the most attention is the one from Kickstarter. And... Um while Kickstarter has had a bit of a roller coaster of, of a ride in terms of uh, trust from people, um, i think I, I think that there's still going to be a lot of interest in it because Kickstarter has matured.
1: Yeah, Kickstarter makes money for the right <laughs> kind of products now and they kind yeah. they know what they are and the, and the most important part, especially about crowdfunding in general, not just for Kickstarter is people are a lot more aware of what they're getting into. So they're not like, you know, the expectations are a lot better. Like when I kickstart something, yeah, I know I'm probably not going to get it on time. I know it might not even ever show up. I know I'm kind of investing in like an idea. Yeah. Well, my brother kickstarted a birthday gift for me from like two or three years ago and I still <laughs> haven't gotten it. And it's like literally a, just a lamp. And every year he's just like, it's on its way, bro. Soon. Eventually. Soon. <laughs> and he like, he'll periodically just send me the update and I'm like, all right. So this lamp that they were going to manufacture is completely different. And like, it looks the same, but it's like actually completely different manufacturing. So I like, okay, that's amazing. maybe I'll get it eventually.
0: That's amazing. Um, but yeah, so as uh, so there's Kickstarter, there's, I mean, almost anyone can come into the space and it's not going to be long before somebody does because of the route that YouTube has been taking. And uh, and and Twitch and other platforms. There's so many content creators, and there's a constant demand for new content and consistent content. And there's going to have to be ways to, for people to monetize themselves because advertisements, sure, as shit, aren't doing it. So, um, I think he, I think the guy that wrote that thread also mentioned if PayPal wanted to do it, PayPal could come in and uh, and yep. do something like this because they're already the ones. They're the middleman for people already. They're they're the middleman for the middleman. So why wouldn't they cu- cut the other middleman out and yeah. just do it themselves and and reap all all of the benefits, right? They'd be able to provide a lower transaction fee because they are the transaction provider to begin yeah. with. Uh, and and they already have that relationship with the card providers. They have it all. It's worked all out. in place. So they just split off a uh, uh, they split off a uh, you know a little a, a portion of the company or you know, bring in some new hires and slap together uh the the website bones and and the the biggest part of the project's done because it's PayPal. so uh, that's uh, a very real possibility as well. So right now, I think it would be wise for Patreon to uh listen to the community and uh, and 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 rethink this strategy. Because they don't even, and this is a very important point, we'll leave it at this before moving on to the next topic, but this is a very important point. They don't even allow the content creators to take on the transaction fees. So there's there's no checkbox.
1: I don't know about you guys, but I would gladly just take that fee on for everyone who supports us.
0: Well, that's the idea. Yeah. Everyone is saying, okay, this is fine, right? But, uh, but let us choose to take on the fees for the people that are supporting us. Because that's how the systems worked before, yeah. And we would rather take on the cut than, um, uh, than, than dump it onto.
1: Don't try to pitch it like you're helping content creators. No, you're really not? not. You guys just want your cut. Let exactly. us make that. Des- if you want to really help us, then let us make that decision.
0: Exactly. I mean, and and you see this with with uh, donation services for for mm-hmm. uh, for streamers. Oh yeah, where at the all. bottom say, there's a checkbox. Do, so do you yeah. want to cover the fees, or do you want to hand that off to the streamer and? you know, off to the races, but for, for this Patreon thing specifically, they don't even let us choose that. So it's a, it's a crazy situation. Um, you know, we will evaluate based on the changes made in, in, in pledges that you guys make, uh, whether or not we, we keep certain tiers open and how we're going to have to reorganize based on what Patreon does here in the next couple of months. Uh, so we'll try and keep you in the, in the loop on that, but you know, don't feel like don't feel like you're doing something wrong if you can't afford to, to to be with us on Patreon anymore. Like, we understand Patreon is the one at fault here, uh, and we appreciate those who stick with us or move up a tier to avoid the fees or whatever it is that you're looking to do. But or even if you move on, we completely get it. We get it. It's cool. Like, we're not happy with it. We don't have, like we. I just explained, we don't have a choice in the matter, unfortunately, and there are no other platforms that, that suit this space, like we just said, as well at the moment um, so we'll, we'll just take it a day at a time and hopefully uh, hopefully, you guys uh, ride it out with us as best as possible uh oh where were we in this oh right also community feedback sort of the WCS did some cool stuff just recently oh. <laughs> remember back when you said that the that the community team at Blizzard was just getting better oh. and better And I didn't believe (laughs) you every
1: year. Like this has been every year since 2013. Um, as many of you don't know, I actually like very verbally left the Starcraft community like a couple of months ago saying I'm absolutely like sick of how they deal with the community. Yeah. Even though they've been improving, I'm like, I'm kind of sick of it at this point. Um, and they were improving and then today happened. Um, so I've had verbal words, um, and Twitter battles with people in charge of the eSports team and the planning team at Blizzard. Um, and I've said not nice things, which I know is hard for people to believe for me, um, but always very professionally. But um, one of the problems that they've been having is, one, they release their information really late, and then, two, they have, they're like a bull in a china shop when it comes to scheduling. So this year... It's actually the worst it's ever been um, in terms of the damage they kind of caused. But they've been having this problem for a very long time. So what happens is the season ends at Blizzard, BlizzCon in like November. Um, And that's great. You have a couple of months. But the problem is Blizzard, for some reason, despite being a massive company, they don't plan anything out in advance. So usually when people plan events or leagues or like, you know, large scale year long events with multiple components, um, you need lead time to book flights, set up sponsors, set up travel, set up location, undo all of this stuff, right? Um, Lizard doesn't really plan any of this stuff and they don't tell people up until like a week beforehand. So what ended up happening was we've got a ton of stuff lined up from like November through December into January and whatever, right? Um, and I'm not even talking like small, like this is this impacts everyone from like small community organizations to larger ones like Base Trade TV, who like plan out events with like sponsors and stuff with prize pools to other like local organizations which plan big fly in tournaments for things, um, you know, in like land centers, all the way up to Intel Extreme Masters. Yeah. Right. So these guys, they have to plan out these events and you know there's a whole and there's this like the community's got this whole calendar set up internally for the community where like all the all the organizers and everything can go in and be like hey there's this open weekend here we want to do this event here and then kind of all the casters and talent and stuff they do this all behind the scenes they organize this themselves So they can like so that they don't step on each other because the StarCraft community knows there isn't a ton of viewers here. So you know what we don't want to cannibalize each other. Let's let's support each other and make sure that there's always content to watch, always something going on. So like they plan this schedule very meticulously to make sure that you know a base trade tournament doesn't you know override like a Take TV tournament doesn't conflict with qualifiers for the Intel Extreme Masters and all of this stuff. So what? happened was there's like a sp- and there's like a new sponsor tournament from base trade going on on one day and then like another day later there's like i am there's a bunch of events going on from different organizations and on top of that casters are already booked to fly off to these different events and stuff to like cast live or do whatever right for all of these different things and blizzard comes in and is just like hey guys wcs qualifiers same time as IEM. oh yeah Also, it's during the Star Wars opening weekend, so uh, if you made plans for that, fuck you too. Just, uh, I hate to say I told you so, but
0: I told you so.
1: It's like, come on, guys. Blizzard even has access to this calendar. They just probably just like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. We're not even going to look at it. We want this weekend. That's what
0: it is. You know what Blizzard cares about right now? Overwatch. 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 That's what Blizzard oh, It cares gets about. even
1: better. The announcement for the WCS qualifiers said, hey, details are still pending. We haven't worked everything out. We'll get back to you. You're like, guys, this stuff's in a week. <laughs> but seriously, you can't get that shit together. And like, I'm like, I responded back to them and I'm like, seriously guys, it's been years. Like the fact that you guys are not like looking or even like discussing any of this stuff like internally and being like, hey, um, why do we keep having community backlash and problems every year with all of this stuff? Like why? Like, are they like the project managers and the analysts and the schedulers should all be looking at like, why is this getting like a bigger problem every year? Is there so something we could be doing better?
0: How just, just out of curiosity, because I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched the WCS in a good long time. Mm-hmm. Um, how big of a production at this point is WCS?
1: Um, it's not as huge as it used to be. So Blizzard will do qualifiers, like online qualifiers, and then they'll have some live qualifiers. And then what they'll do is they'll have, um, circuit events like at like DreamHack or at like IEM and stuff that will give you WCS points. They'll also have some of their own WCS events throughout, throughout the, you know, thing. And then at the mm. end of the year, you have the big championship at BlizzCon. Okay. But they've kind of farmed it out to the other bigger providers so that those big events can, you know, give WCS points. And, and then they have, like, I think they like have, a like... It's FedEx
0: a, Cup. Yeah, in pretty golf, yeah, pretty much. Basically. pretty much. To
1: make they it as white even, as humanly they, possible. They, they haven't, like, even published too many... De- they Like, they're kind of carrying over a lot of the stuff from 2017, but apparently they've, like, made changes or haven't been clear about some stuff already, and it's like, guys, come on, like... This is stuff you could have had worked out months ago.
0: I I just asked that question because I'm trying to... I'm trying to see in my mind, you know, what kind of... Of... of team that blizzard would have and i use the word team loosely here because it would it would a team necessitates more than one person and sometimes i feel like there's not more than one person doing this at blizzard Uh, but for starcraft side you know what kind of manpower they put on this and then who they put on this because blizzard in the past hasn't been you know, for for as involved and as lo- loving, I'm putting quotation marks, of community content as the higher-ups uh, at, at Blizzard StarCraft division have been for years, they have done, um, you know, and I'm not going to say th- they the high level love StarCraft because but it's, it's like not level There's a yeah, disconnect. It's, it's not necessarily their decision as to who's doing yeah. this stuff, but whoever is deciding it will say this, because I don't know. Whoever's deciding it, are is picking or has been picking for a long time people that have no clue about the starcraft community at any juncture in the starcraft community's lifespan so uh, and this goes all the way back to the point where when they flew Jeff out and he was at that dinner yeah and they we're didn't hearing even know from you the hu- and we're hearing from the guys there and everyone loves lag TV content and then the assistant that put the whole thing together didn't even know who Jeff was yeah. there's just no no clue. Uh and yet here it he no, is it at happened
1: this at, it happened at TwitchCon right I got invited through other people that I know and Jeff was there and StarCraft the StarCraft people didn't even know Jeff was there didn't know how to contact him No they invited people who weren't even at TwitchCon and the, they didn't show up and they're like and I'm like why
0: didn't you guys invite
1: Jeff like or max replied he's like oh we didn't know how to get in touch with him I'm like Like okay. how hard
0: how hard is that job, really? I mean, the answer is it's not. Uh, yeah. And especially now. Like, if you if, if, if this was 2011 and StarCraft was at its peak and shit was going ham pretty much on a daily basis for StarCraft, that's a much different scenario. Not only that, but the infrastructure for streaming and the, the production side and the people available for these events and everything, far different. This is a mature space now. With a game and a product that is one one hundredth the size that it was in 2011 from, uh, from a tournament and a, and a stream standpoint. And so if you can't find somebody who has the wherewithal to go to a website that is a community dr- community created website. It's been around for a very long time to be the central nervous system of the, of the StarCraft community's tournament structure from the grassroots Uh, movement and onward and look at a fucking calendar where all of the work that you should be doing as the person being paid for this in the first place is done for you. You don't even have to do anything. Alternatively,
1: you can say, hey, we're planning stuff in roughly this thing. We can't tell you anything about it, but don't do anything on these
0: these possible weekends. You just show up, you look at the calendar, the work is done for you. You don't even have to do anything. And then you say, okay, well, look, shit, this has already been set in stone for a while. You know WCS. We just plug this in uh, here and let people know months ahead of time because really everyone else is capable of hey, m- planning Adam, months ahead hey, Adam, of
1: time. Guess what? You know what? Did you know the calendars are very easy to predict for long periods of time into the future? Really? What? I had no idea. No, but um, this like- is like this is like the hilarious part. Like, um, and every year they get this huge backlash. And like two years ago, like I was like knee deep in it, I was like weighing in and like people a bunch of people were like, Yeah, keep you know, keep going <laughs> at them. And like they they responded back with, Look, it's a lot more complicated in a large corporate structure. You know, we have there's a lot of processes and things that have to happen. You know, project management is complicated. You know, it's not something that we expect the layman to understand. Uh, and literally, like a bunch uh, of people were like, Oh shit, panic is gonna tear them a new one right now. And I'm less like Look, you and I both know that's like a BS argument. You can't just claim corporate arguments because honestly, if this was an actual properly managed corporate project, you would know the budget, you would know the constraints, and you would have your dates six months ago.
0: A long time ago.
1: Like you're telling me as a large scale corporate project manager, you're trying to figure out what you're going to be doing in a month. That means you have failed at your job.
0: Or seven days in advance as yeah. we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah, like, you know, if you don't have your high, like, and, and this was like, this was in specifics to the guidelines for how WCS was going to be run for the following year. Right. They hadn't even published it yet. And it was like a month before it started. And I was just like, if you don't have your high level mission statement documents and rules out a month beforehand, that's a huge project failure. Because That's stuff that can be worked out. And people are not going to complain if it wasn't as agile and structured for the following year because it'll be like hey look we set these rules up like eight nine months ago we know things have changed so we'll take it up for the next following season that's all you have to do no they kind of just like keep pushing it, and it's like a month beforehand it's like come on guys you've been doing this for years you have the same problem every year but you're not growing or learning from your mistakes you are actually getting worse
0: that was bad yeah, uh, It's just, it's bad. It's unfortunate. You want to be able to say positive things about it. Yeah, but, and but, I
1: wish this wasn't a problem because there's so much good momentum going on for StarCraft. And just kind of go and, like, shit on all the community people who work really hard. Like, there's yep. a lot of money in these tournaments, a lot of effort. Like, Philadelphia, for example, set up, like, a three-city circuit. And they were so lucky that Blizzard decided not to shit on them. But yeah. uh, you know another another comp- another group they they got like an external who's never done a StarCraft tournament. They're putting in a ton of money, and Blizzard just fuck that over just because they're just like, Wah. and it's like, it, come it's, on, guys, don't make it harder for the community.
0: I mean, now now Joe, now that aside, to also book it Star Wars weekend is also just That's about the stupid. dumbest thing that you could possibly do. I mean, you have one to one understand- star thing a weekend. Yeah, like, you you have to understand that the crossover there for people that are are going to watch and be involved in here a long time ago. So, I mean, come the fuck on. Like, Just, it's bad. Just stop. Blizzard, stop. Be aware. But wait, there's more. Because Blizzard uh, is also in the midst of Overwatch League right now. The preseason is happening, and you wouldn't know that um, if I didn't tell you, probably because they decided to host this thing on MLG. I actually agree with their decision for this one. Okay. I have a feeling I know why you're going to say why you are, but, but I want to hear what your reasoning behind it is anyway. Um, so
1: historically, on initial launches and stuff, there tends to be problems and issues and stuff. Um, Blizzard yeah. owns MLG, or Activision yeah. does, and yeah. they have a lot of production staff and um, experience behind it, and they have the tech platform so they can use it. Um, now, from my understanding... Um, and, again, all of my criticism of this and my acceptance of it, uh, my acceptance of it completely goes away if this ends up not being true. But from my understanding, it's only for the preseason that this it is, is, this uh, is it, Currently, yeah.
0: it is for the preseason before they move the main season on to Twitch is my understanding.
1: Yeah. So as long as that holds true, everything I say from here on is, is valid for me. Okay. Um, The reasoning is there's a lot of stuff going on. Like if you see the arena and you see the setup and everything, there's a lot of new tech and a lot of new stuff that they're doing. And they need to kind of figure out all the production stuff beforehand. So I can see them kind of like limiting it to the MLG scope so that only like the hardcore people will be watching there. And they can go and see like, okay, what kind of bandwidth does this take to put out? Is our production all right? Is our observing all right? Is our stage show going all right? And they don't want to necessarily have that broadcast out to, like, a massive audience during the preseason where they might get panned or whatever. What I've seen happen is with MLG, yeah, they've had the smaller audience. They haven't necessarily had the chat completely available. They haven't had the viewer counts. Um, so people aren't, like, totally dumpstering them, and they're actually looking at the production. So, like, people are like, this is awesome, or I can't watch it. That's, like, what I've seen. Um, well
0: the video the, the video player's been busted yeah. as fuck. Like people just can't physically watch it. So even if there yeah. were problems, the problem was. that I was, yeah, that yeah, the I was MLG watching platform
1: yesterday. Yeah. I was watching yesterday and it looked amazing for me, but at the same time, they don't have an Android client for the MLG app. So like I couldn't watch it on my poker yeah. TV. So I was kinda like, alright, that kind of sucks. Um but with like I feel like they they're doing this as like the dry run in a much more smaller and contained thing that they completely control. Because then when they go out to a larger distribution of Twitch, they can go to Twitch and be like, hey, these problems are ours and these problems are yours. And it's like very clear. And then when Twitch is like, how do you know these problems are your, ours? We're like, well, we ran the whole production for a little, you know, for you know, a solid month on our own platform doing this, this, this. So we know that, you know, where these are where the gaps are. And once we switch over to you, these are the gaps. And they can kind of hold Twitch a little bit more accountable and vice versa. So, you know, keeping it in the walled garden just gives them that control initially to make sure that, you know, what they're going... Because, again, there's a ton of external people watching this and, like, are passing judgment. So I feel like Blizzard's like, we want to get this right before we blast it out to everyone. So I feel like this is kind of like a beta test.
0: Yeah. No, I I get... I That's what I thought you were going to yeah. say. And I, I, I get that. And I think that... I think that if this was something that wasn't with the the already well-known Overwatch strapped to somebody like Blizzard and it hasn't already been, you know, shown on Twitch a half million times in other tournaments and everything else. And already a high... What I'm going for here is if it wasn't something that was already high fucking profile, which mm-hmm. there isn't... You're, you're not going for much more in esports. Overwatch League is borderline. You know, you don't get much higher profile. There's really... Only you could say maybe one or two others that could go higher than Overwatch League, yep. um, in terms of profile right now, and so I get that reasoning, but the problem is MLGs infrastructure can't handle fucking four people watching it at a time without breaking down. So you, you you're getting two sides here. You're you're getting uh, people who are here's here's my reasoning. Like you just said, the only people that are, are, or ideally, the not that this is going to be the case always, but ideally, the only people that are going to see this are the hardcore, right? Mm-hmm. What group is more is the most likely to be forgiving out of any group? It's
1: not the hardcore. The eh, depends.
0: So. Uh, so uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with 90 plus percent of the time the hardcore group are going to be the ones that are going to cut you the most slack, and if they aren't, then your reasoning doesn't work anyway yeah, because
1: right, right. I had to think about it. yeah.
0: So uh, so where it shows up, I don't think actually made any damn difference because the hardcore we're gonna cut you slack re- regardless, and for the people that aren't necessarily hardcore but hear about the preseason and then they go. To MLG to watch it, and then MLG is already struggling to show the hardcore people what's going on. They can't even get, uh, and they can't get that to the not hardcore group. Then you're still, you're still getting fucked. Like if, like I understand the reasoning, but if I was at the helm there, I would just say, look, guys. You know, pe- pe- this is a this is this is all new territory. People are 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 going to fuck on you regardless. This thing could go smooth as butter, and people are going to dumpster your ass. Oh yeah, you don't need to be worried about that kind of shit. You just go in and you say, "Look, guys, if something goes wrong, first day we have put a lot of time into this, but there's a lot of of, of new cogs and a lot of new wheels." And and these things will go away in a, in a short period of time, but right now it's just getting hammered out. At the very least, Twitch's infrastructure can at least handle the numbers that want to watch Overwatch League oh, yeah. preseason. So you at least eliminate, on, uh, not entirely because Twitch still has its own problems, but in the majority, the problems of, of, of MLG in terms of, of their player, their infrastructure, their reach... Like you mentioned, with with not having like an Android side thing, yeah, you know that all goes away. And then the what's the worst case scenario? Because really, think if you think about it. What's the worst case scenario that's going to happen here in Overwatch League? The guys out back controlling the fucking camera switchboard goes and cuts to the wrong scene for a second or two? Or like, they, they somebody says, let's take a look at this replay and they can't pull up the replay in time and then the casters have to fill in 45 seconds to a minute of awkward silence? Like, what's really <laughs> going to happen in the preseason events? And I bet you it's almost going to be next to nothing that, that would have Dude, made... Got- a difference. They got
1: their people on point though. Like I was watching yesterday, and I was actually enjoying it. They did. They like the casters were on point, the analysts were on point, the teams were coming. It was pretty good.
0: Because uh, and again, yeah. it's because Overwatch has already been doing these yeah. events, you know, for for a while. Uh, the, the, stuff, yeah. the 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 World Championship thing at BlizzCon went pretty much flawlessly, and the numbers in on that were huge. It's massive. Now, unfortunately, they also fucked up because half the people that were playing in that tournament that everyone wanted to watch aren't in Overwatch League, but that's a totally different problem uh, of Blizzards uh, entirely. So, the thing that bugged me the most, I was actually looking
1: at the rosters and stuff. I was like super into this, like when I was looking at the rosters and stuff. Right. And this bugged me the most, right? They have teams like. New York Excelsior, this team, right? I was, like, looking forward to rooting for my local team.
0: The shittiest logo of the entire league, oh, by Oh, yeah, the way. no, I
1: actually responded. I'm like, I, I want to love you guys, but I don't know what that logo is telling me here. You know? But I grater. went and looked at the roster. I went and looked at the roster. It's all Koreans. They imported in all Koreans. Why wouldn't they? And I'm just like, come on, guys. Get some local pride there. But that's why I'm actually supporting Boston, because Boston is all, like, North American, European talent. Like, they, they didn't import too many people. They It looks like they built, like, a solid roster. And a lot of the teams are like that. The Shanghai team is all Chinese people, right? The only team I wanted to be all Korean was Seoul, <laughs> right? But I'm, like, looking at some of these teams, I'm, like, oh, guys, come on. I know you guys want to win, but seriously, you're, like, going for all Korean people? Like, at least get some local representation on these teams,
0: uh, that, that, you know, I, I don't know how nah. that's going to hurt them or not. Uh, it might, you know, people yep. might be like you and be like, look, you know, it's cool to have one or two Koreans on here, but we're just soul. we're, we're like the fake soul We're we're yep. the, the faux soul, uh, right now. And uh, because we're, we're technically New York, but at the same time, nobody on our team can even speak English. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's a bit, uh, that's a bit silly, but uh, again, also not entirely surprising and unless the Overwatch League, you know, uh, made restrictions, um, which would which would be a a a, a shit a shitstorm in and of itself, you know, the problem is there's a massive supply of of really good Korean players. Oh yeah, and the best are going to end up on Seoul nine times out of ten, unless a team uh puts most of their of their revenue into a single player uh coming over. Uh, it's gonna basically be like in hockey, where everyone's you know paying one or two people on their team the majority of their cap, and then the rest of the team is just you know plebeians.
1: There was actually like a really cool rule I saw in the in the league. I What's didn't that? realize it was there because the teams have different roster sizes. Like I've seen some teams have twelve players, other teams have like six. Like they have a variation in between. But you must field every player during the competition oh okay so if you have a roster of 12 throughout the competition you You must rotate all of them that's cool. that's a cool idea it kind of forces you into like if you have like a weird breakdown of people you have to like mix and match you might end up with some off meta stuff but then also it's like it's strategically do you want to risk having only six players but those six players are consistent then so i was like looking i'm like that's actually
0: pretty cool yeah, that's that, that's neat. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I don't think. I, well, there's probably some downsides to that, but uh, well, the, yeah. effectively,
1: they're all the players are subject to having the minimum. Like you have to pay them the minimum salary at least. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, it makes it more expensive if you want to field a larger roster.
0: Um, but yeah, it 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 will be it it'll be an interesting thing to watch. But I, I'm I I'm not a, I I understand the reasoning behind putting it on. MLG, but yeah. I don't agree with I think for the, the reasoning at the same deal. time. I think it's just kind of... I think you're six at you're like a six of one, half a dozen of another. Uh, MLG is a dead website, let's be honest. <laughs> um, you know, it was a bad buy for Activision. Um, you know, maybe they're looking for some corporate write-offs at the end of the year. Uh, but, you know, that effectively was never... They just needed. wanted production
1: staff, but then never put them to use. Yeah,
0: so, you know, it it is what it is, but... Um, but thankfully, at least at least at this time, it is still scheduled for, you know, production to be sent over to Twitch for the regular season. Um, in that respect, um, where are we now? Let's see. Oh, well, briefly, PUBG map coming up. That's the thing. That's Should be happening. tonight, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think I. Uh, I don't know honestly. PUBG's changed their release for for tests. And everything else, so many times that I can't keep track of what, of what their actual schedule is anymore. No idea. Uh, but it's soon. Dot JPEG, and uh, new map. I'm interested, if only because they've introduced a Winchester rifle, which is uh, you Ooh. know the lever action uh, special. Um, that would be kind of neat. It w- uh, it is actually the special, or yeah, well, no, it's it's the. What do they call it? The, uh, the win nine or something like their win oh, okay. 99. It's, it was, it's a it model off the special though. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Winchester's enough to tell you. I just know it's a Winchester and it's the, the, the lever action Winchester. So I, I don't know further than that. You can look it up and, uh, and probably find, you know, find out pretty, pretty soon, uh, or in pretty short order. Uh, but the new map is coming. Um... Will be intriguing to see how it performs versus the other map because of the the, the differentiation in, in, you know, number of buildings and proximity for players, because it's a smaller map, if I recall correctly. Uh, a lot more close, co- uh, close quarters combat with uh, that many kind of buildings, so mm-hmm. uh, shotguns are going to be, you know, way more... Oh yeah, uh, in use I, was, like, I imagine. Super
1: excited for that. And uh, I think this one's also better suited for vaulting when that comes in.
0: Yeah, well, the map was built when vaulting was yeah. being ushered in. So where the old map, they had to retrofit it. This map hasn't had to be retrofitted, so to say. And so um, of the two maps, that's probably going to be the one that functions better with the vaulting than, uh, the original map, at least for, uh, for a time, uh, is in an interesting spot because, um, they the test servers are so dramatically ahead of the live servers in every respect that, that, um, I will be... Interested in how it goes over once it launches uh if the time if the time frame still works because as it stands right now, you have a bunch of people who never play the live servers uh who are seeing a product basically tread water they're yep. they're not keeping we'll up with, with every little update they're not they're not combing through the uh, meticulously reposted, re-edited, redone patch notes and, and tweets that that PUBG cryptically fucking releases once every six to nine hours. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt because it gets retconned just as often as it gets posted. And so, you know, without, without being a, a private fucking detective, trying to sort out or suss out what PUBG is, where it's going, when it's coming... And why the live server has tread water for so long uh, is probably confusing and, and pissing off a large portion of the uh, of the player base and um, and so I, I, I wonder how it's going to go over when when it does get released because I think it goes one of two ways. It gets released, and it's so much better than the live server that people just stop complaining about shit. For a good long while. Because it's just so much better that they're like, fuck it. We got this far. Whatever. Uh, Did it, boys. We did it. We fuck it. We made it happen. Or, it takes too long to get pushed out and people start to to leave because they're just tired of waiting. Um, And, you know, it remains to be seen just just what kind of timeline we're looking at with PUBG. Uh, I just... I think PUBG's biggest problem right now, other than the fact that its its uh, its growth rate is definitely its biggest problem uh, to to this point, is their management of uh releasing information uh and who is doing that the whole releasing... community problem. Yeah, like the the community just keeps cropping up. It's just yeah. is such a such a hard thing to tackle. The year of the community. Exactly! Um, and we've talked about this before, yeah. too, where they have you know, they have, uh, the PUBG account, the player unknowns thing by itself gets blown up all the time, and that's not his bag anymore. They He handed that shit off to, like, it's like PUBG Battlegrounds or whatever the fucking yeah, account B, is. Battlegrounds or something. Uh, then, um... Then you've got, uh, What's-Her-Face, uh... Poopy or whatever the fucker yes, name is, uh, that has that's technically the spokeswoman, community leader, knife juggler, contortionist, uh, you know, uh, marketing waitress, generalist. caterer, marketing journalist person, A generalist, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, like just. Whatever the fuck she did. And, and it's confusing because sometimes she'll comment on things. Sometimes she doesn't. And I don't even think she's in charge of the Twitter account that's releasing um, the information. So there's, there's always this odd tonal disconnect in what information is released. And the types of information released are also different. She'll say more in depth stuff than the main account will, and so unless you're also stalking her, and and it's not just because you're a, a fucking thirsty eighteen year old male into Asian chicks, then you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be missing out on stuff. It's it's so confusing. They desperately need to to figure out a better well, life, way sure, of. Sure. Delivering these messages because if they don't, oh my god! Can you imagine? It gets released. And it's on Xbox, and now you've opened yourself up to another few million people as a possible player base, and you're trying to still make all this happen the way you're doing it. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. It gives me the shivers just thinking about it, and I feel bad. I feel bad for for her because people go after her, right? Because she's the one that's the most. She, she she doesn't read like a robot. She has a face uh but yet she's not been she's not been given full control of the, of the most publicly facing part of the uh, uh, uh of the channels of information so she just gets lit up and this i mean as a side note to off of, to get off of pubg this um this started happening uh with twitch and hassan uh yep. who tweeted earlier this week about Uh, the fact that, um, he's having a hard time with the community targeting him specifically for stuff that he has no control over, uh, and it doesn't, and isn't even necessarily involved with half the time, but because of how Twitch, just like with PUBG, disseminates information... Hassan, who is most, a target. lot of people are starting to recognize him as the Twitch employee, you know, the public facing Twitch he used employee. Used to be gun run. <laughs> exactly. He used to be gun run. And then he almost died at like at the age of 21 and now he's off doing other crazy shit. But, uh, but now it's Hassan and he's getting targeted and it's because Twitch has like a don't ask, don't tell lip sealed you know, borderline, iron curtain-type shit um, policy as a company, but Hassan is still out there doing battle for them because if they don't, there's no damage control, and since they see him, they just go after him because he's the one giving them them the the closest... It's the closest thing to an answer that they're getting. So they just... Hassan. And so this is not a... A PUBG specific problem, but it's a community
1: specific um, thing. Like, people have a tendency to witch hunt a lot more. So now they hmm. like, they're like, a lot of companies are having trouble kind of isolating and properly setting up the channels of communication. But also, they're running into a problem of they need to set up lightning rods, and it sucks when you're the lightning rod.
0: Oh, wait. Oh, just the, the mute thing is at the bottom of the window. Give me up.
1: one sec while you I, do that. I gotta actually put a battery back in.
0: Okay. I can't even get the, the mute thing off of. We're away from your camera. I'd have to... Uh, hey, community Discord people, if you're listening, do me a favor. <laughs> do me a favor and change the video conferencing to tile format so that we don't have to use Skype. That would be Super awesome. If we could have there we go. That's close enough for now. Um but yeah, so that's that's not, you know, it's not it's not just PUBG's problem, but um it's very weird to me that it's happening in the companies that it's happening with because we're not talking about companies necessarily headed up by a bunch of old white guys. Mm-hmm. Uh these are young social media bred companies.
1: Just because they're social media bred doesn't mean they actually know how to do social media.
0: No, but you would think or that even they large would scale have engagement. The, but no, but not I understand that, but yeah. they you think they'd have the wherewithal to hire somebody who does because they would understand the 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 gravity of having that would, proper... that
1: would mean that they would have to have the self self awareness to acknowledge that they don't know everything. <laughs> and you're thinking about it and realizing you know what? Anik is actually right on this one. <laughs> you know what? How am i going to get a 25, 26, 27 year old to admit, you know what? I am not actually that great at this and i should probably hire someone else who is. That's not a self-awareness that most of them have. True. And it's not it, it, it's like it's that whole like you're young, immortal, you know everything, the world can't stop you mentality and while that's admirable at times, sometimes you need to know be like yeah, you know what? Maybe we're not doing this right.
0: The best managers understand that they are the worst at just about everything, <laughs> but they it's, can take the hits. That's generally keep on how it moving. goes. Like as a manager, you are you are a bit. Be- the best managers are a jack of all trades, so that they, f- at a fundamental level, understand the the bits and pieces.
1: Even at a more than a fundamental, like you should be able to do the job that all your employees do, not necessarily as well as your individual employees. Yeah. Well, like if push comes to shove, you should be able to sit down and maybe at get the, through it and work it out. I
0: don't, I don't. I think that's true to a degree, but I think a lot of businesses now have gotten so complicated that if you can do all yeah. of that, you're you're not sleeping. So, <laughs> uh, so I think I think at, uh, what I mean by at a fundamental level is you can have a conversation with your employees that you're hiring and mm-hmm. understand the words that are coming out of their mouth. And if you can get that far and then understand that, that, uh, that while you can technically do a lot of the things that need to be done, there are people that are specialized in these tasks that are going to do it better and faster than you. Mm-hmm. That's really what, you know, one of the major pillars of being a good manager. And it seems to be severely lacking in a lot of these young startups is that, uh, is that people just have such a hard time, um, admitting to themselves that they aren't going to be the best at everything in these situations at all times, and that they should, at some point, uh, start to bring in people that are more special. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter that you walk away from, uh, or mean that you walk away from the company. Yeah. It just means, it just means that you're putting people in place to do things that you don't necessarily have to do, because they're going to be better at it than you, and it's going to be better for the company, that you some, that you technically are towards the top of. So you're, you're not like you're not losing anything for, for, for doing that. You're gaining in the in the long run, but it seems to be an, uh, a, a difficult thing for sure. I agree. A lot of them just don't have the wherewithal or perhaps choose to not have the wherewithal uh, to to recognize that kind of stuff. But definitely with the community facing stuff, as we just talked about, all the stuff so far to this point in the podcast, it all seems to come down to roughly the same thing where they, they don't understand what it is that they really want to be doing or need to be doing and then don't put the people in place to actually make that stuff happen. Uh, and I, again, I personally find that very weird in the year 2017. I can't, I can't fathom How people haven't figured... Wendy's has figured this shit out for fuck's sake. Dude, their social
1: media person is friggin' fire. Oh my god. They
0: need to be paid six figures plus just on their social media. Just just unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. you see the Moon Pie one? Yes. Recently? That was hysterical. Moon Pie is just like one of those days where you just want to stick a Moon Pie in the oven and scream into a pillow. (laughs) Moon Pie, are you okay? No.
0: (laughs) It's a, it's brilliant. I mean, so like if, if a fast food company that's been around since the dawn of time can put this shit together and really a fast food company, yes, social media is, is important. It's not as important as it is for somebody like Twitch or PUBG or somebody in this net you the know, space. Uh, then somebody has got to be able to figure it out. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, where should we go from here? Let's see. Oh, Hearthstone. Expansion lost it. No, I don't have much to talk about on this. Other I than haven't the actually, it literally launched
1: today, so I haven't even had a chance to play it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a shot
0: though. in the dark on this one. Uh, I'm going to say that the game is still broken as fuck. The dungeon um, run
1: mode has been getting good reviews though.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say that the biggest part about that is the dungeon thing. Whatever they called it, I can't remember. Um... I think it might be called Dungeon Run. Yeah, that is the most positive thing I've seen coming out of Hearthstone since it's launched. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, And for everyone else um, that's just playing on the ladder, guess what? Hearthstone is uh, still shit to play unless you net deck somebody who's already figured out the most efficient decks for the class and then just grind against the same other four or five decks... If you want to get anywhere near the top, uh, because, uh, blizzard has one of the worst, one of the worst examples of dealing with power creep I've ever seen. Uh, and, and they're hung up on, on like, not just gimmicks. Cause all card games have gimmicks for decks. It's kind of how it all boils yeah. down. So we get that. But Blizzard's gimmicks seem to all be kind of one note, and and the gimmicks end up being really annoying to play against. It does not make mm-hmm. the game fun to play uh, at all. It's
1: like you'll reach a critical mass, and then you'll reach the point where you're unstoppable. And it's like, who's more unstoppable at that point? And in and, and a is rush is gonna to lose. who
0: can get to their yeah. unstoppable point. Yeah. Right? It's it's it's. There's no turnaround. There's no and top. It's usually,
1: deck. right when that transformation card drops.
0: Yes, like priest. Priest can play any version of any deck, and win mm-hmm. with with very little effort. Like they can do almost anything up until like rank ten higher. You can do almost anything and win. And it's usually a long game when you're against priest. No matter what kind of deck they're running, it's a long game. And even when you get them down to two health, it doesn't matter, because if you don't kill them before they have a couple of cards in hand, and it doesn't take much, they just win. And you can't win, you can't, you physically can't beat them once they get into this point, and that's the dumbest part of it, and it and that's really frustrating. So, uh, and that doesn't that just priest you know it extends to other classes as well and the gimmicks all seem to fall into a, into similar categories these otks or these um you know draw cards until you have the ones that you need you know the ones that you need to play out in like one hand and you just win uh it all kind of just filters into the same categories and i think the most important thing here is not necessarily that they're gimmicks because again all card games gimmicks oh, yeah. but it's how fun is Hearthstone to play? And um, personally yeah. Personally, as somebody who doesn't net deck and builds their own and tries to, you know, find ways to work around these gimmicks that people are using, because I know I'm never gonna be like a fucking master's level player. I'm not out to be masters level. You don't want to be the very best? I'm not a Pokemon master or anything. I'm not I'm not an Ash catch I just want to be I just want to be that bug catcher on <laughs> route whatever six and just fucking call it a day. Uh for for those people, and for the people that haven't dumped a bunch of money into the game to have all these card decks lined up for net decking to climb the ladder, the game is, is questionably entertaining. It will be entertaining for a stint, but then you just get slapped down so consistently, and the games are so long and drawn out oftentimes, that it just becomes uh laborious. And... Yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's probably one of the things holding Hearthstone back from being even bigger than it is right now. Um maybe the dungeon run thing brings in and keeps the attention of casual people longer. Uh and maybe they get more conversions that way. But uh I think Blizzard really needs to figure out how to tackle power creep. Uh and I don't it's know hard. if it's because I don't well, I you know what? I don't believe that. But they have uh, enough money that they can buy their way out of it. Hearthstone, Hearthstone, Hearthstone has got a lot of money, but they also, you know, Hearthstone's not been around as long as Magic the Gathering. You know, we're that's not right. talking about power creep over the course of fucking decades here. We're talking about power creep over the course of not even a decade. Uh, and and you're talking about a rotation of decks that's two decks plus standard pack at most. So, uh, yeah. you know, you it's not that crazy. I think what's more likely here is that Blizzard makes good money on making these gimmick decks and having people want to have these gimmick decks to win. Uh and this kind of plays into the loot box issues that have been going on now uh, where Hearthstone doesn't have a singles market and they may, you know, they might eventually get hit by it. And then perhaps uh these kind of issues their, their hand will be forced, perhaps, at, at, that point, at that point to do something about it. But uh, yeah, uh, lots of people still enjoy the game. I can't fault them for it. I think it's still the best uh, virtual card game by miles. I mean, there's no one even remotely close. We'll see how the Magic the Gathering one happens. I doubt it's going to go anywhere, but we'll see how it happens. Uh, Hearthstone still crushes it. And, uh, I hope that it gets to a point someday where I can enjoy it more. Like I, I I want to, I've tried so many different ways of enjoying the game and it all ends up being stunted by the same problems, which is what we're discussing right now, which is the, the, the gimmick power creep, long play, no retorts, just get fucked (laughs) over and over (laughs) again. And so it only goes, it only goes so far. Have you played Hearthstone much at all in the last while?
1: Don't want to either confirm or deny that I have a metric fuck ton of cards on my phone, and I've been playing it a lot.
0: Uh-huh, I see. Um, I,
1: I've been playing it a fair amount, but um, I, I not you know not religiously. Um, I picked it up for like a couple of weeks ago, for, and just got addicted to it, and then stopped recently. Um, I'm gonna probably I'm, I'm gonna play a decent chunk for for this expansion, see how it goes. Um, it's just a good way to kill time on my phone. That's what I realized
0: yeah um, um but
1: again like we, I've, I've talked about it in the past and I've talked about it with friends and stuff like my own, my whole issue with hearthstone is um mechanically it's simplistic compared to a lot of the other major card games um even though they've added a bunch of cards um there's still some concerns I have about the complexity level of the game where it's too complex in some parts and not complex in others and you end up getting some really weird synergies um which I don't feel like they've Balance that's where I think feel like the balance issues have come in. It's because there's like emergent synergies in cards that they didn't really think about. And then you get some really crazy combos.
0: Um, which is kind of why boy. having a broader set of cards can actually help yeah. keep power creep in check. Because yeah. it, it allows for more options and for more uh variation in how any given game can play out. I've been yep. kind of advocating for more than 30 cards in a in a deck now for yeah, a while. that's why
1: 60-card decks, because that reduces the RNG and top deck chance because yeah. you're statistically less likely to pick things up. And there was a reason, very specifically, that Magic and most CCG games go... I get Hearthstone was trying to simplify things down into like a more consumable format, but when they brought... And again, by bringing the deck size down, it does shorten the matches. The matches go a lot quicker. But 30-card deck it's a one in 30 chance of pulling a card. And if you have two of them, it's like, you know, a one in 15 chance. It really
0: quick maths.
1: Yeah. And and you, you exponentially reduce the complexity of a deck when you reduce the size of it, even by one card, The number of possibilities goes down dramatically probabilistically. So
0: yeah. You and, know, and, like and you see, and you problems. see that because that's how most every gimmick is exploited is card draw. Yeah. Uh, you'll just see that you'll see that. um, Oh, I'm gonna
1: draw a lot of cards.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna figure out a way to draw as many cards as I can in the early game to get to like turn five, and then Mm -hmm. steamroll it because I've I've worked through half my deck or more. And and once you have your combo, many of these combos are coincidentally uh, one turn kills or uh or puts you in a position where it's almost impossible to kill you. So you just win anyway. Like warrior control warriors, you you, you just they become unkillable. They, they end up with like eighty armor, and then they just draw you to death. And like, what are you mm. gonna what are you gonna do about it? So, um, it's yeah. I I I hope that Hearthstone eventually adopts more than thirty cards. And I think you touched on it as well, where the complexity, um, is at a level in which it's a bit of a hindrance because it allows too much of these, uh, we'll call it high level synergies. Well, they have complexity Uh, where,
1: they have too much complexity where they don't need complexity, and they have too little complexity where they need complexity. Yeah. That's the
0: issue. Yeah. So, uh, I I hope, and and I'm sure that eventually it's going to have to happen, Um, well, I shouldn't even say that, really, because Hearthstone's made so much money now that really there's going to be a point in time where Blizzard just says, you know, when do we just, you know, separate ourselves? (laughs) <laughs> from from this venture. It's already done mm-hmm. so much, and to put... You know, to, to, to double the deck Never. size. Yeah, the, to double the deck size. Like, you, the work involved... They'd rather just that.
1: go... They'd rather just go and probably just develop a separate card game.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, Hearthstone Plus. Hearthstone, <laughs> Hearthstone Plus. Oh my god, how bad would that be? Um... All right, well, it's time to move on to uh movies and TV and other random nonsense. Assa. But movies. Um I'm gonna be straight with you. I haven't really seen uh or or heard tell of a heck of a lot uh because we're coming up at the end of the year and all anyone's talking about is Star Wars. Uh however, there were a couple of points that that uh, came up this week that you've got listed or one that you've got listed here, and then one that we talked about on Twitter already uh, yesterday. Um, and so let's start with that, I guess, is that there's rumors, nothing confirmed, nothing denied, classic good old-fashioned rumor, that uh, Quentin Tarantino might hop on board uh, and, and do some stuff with Star Trek.
1: So, actually, I'm going to let you talk about that first before I jump in, unless you want me to jump in.
0: No, was, so that was that was with J.J.'s the rumor, right? Like, to, to work alongside J.J. Uh, on a project. I don't
1: want him to work alongside J.J., and I can't explain why. Yeah,
0: so, um, I, it, I don't know how I feel about this in general. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't love or hate Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, I just, I just, I'm so indifferent about Quentin Tarantino movies, I think they're all very well done, um, from a technical standpoint. And, uh, they all have that quirky Tarantino, uh, flair. And I think sometimes that works for me and it will make me enjoy the movie. And other times it doesn't work for me and it makes the work of the movie, uh, a-, a less of a pleasing experience. So, um, You know, to this point, Tarantino's pretty much kind of stayed within his own wheelhouse and not touched, to my knowledge, much of franchise work. You know, franchise related work. So I don't know how well Tarantino's style uh, meshes with Star Trek. Um, But maybe Star Trek needs something new to be injected uh, to freshen it up a bit. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I don't want to say that I, that Quentin Tarantino is overrated, but there's a chance that Quentin Tarantino is slightly overrated. Well, I guess I'm lucky that Jeff isn't here this week because we would have just listened to an hour Plus sermon. Oh, he would have
1: ripped you a new one and bent you over and uh, slapped you silly. Yeah. Like a sermon,
0: so a sermon on Quentin Tarantino. And I, that's what I'm saying. I'm I don't between you two. I don't that. know if I feel
1: like that's the case, but it's possible. So let me, um, I'm going let let to I'm, I'm gonna try to sell you on this. All right. Okay. In, in a in a specific way. Right. Give her. So Star Trek is a franchise has been kind of languishing in, in all respects, TV, whatever. They haven't had much media out right now. The J.J. verse and everything, I like the movies. They're good action movies. They're good for getting people in the theaters, and that's great. Keep doing those, right? Keep the J.J. verse going on. Keep that awesome. Now, here's the thing. Contrary to what people think, Star Trek has so much more lore to pull from than, like, even franchises like Star Wars. There's four or five different seasons or series of Star Trek, Of like nine, eight, nine seasons. Um, There's tons of stuff that can be explored. Tons of areas that can happen, right? And Paramount's got all these movie rights, right? And they they can do a lot of things with it. Now, so what I'm saying is take the Star Wars route. You can't put a Star Trek movie out every year with the main characters. Like, it's just too difficult. But there's so much stuff you can explore. And you can take different approaches to the franchise. You can have other directors come in and do side stories. That have so no we're impact. doing the
0: Star Wars
1: stick. But not like but I'm not talking like where you have main characters Rogue One, but there's a lot of stories and here's here's where a director like Quentin Tarantino can come in, right? Tarantino touches on some dark stuff, but he's also much more heavy on like the dialogue heavy stuff or the interactions between characters, right? Where things aren't necessarily perfect. And then Star Trek's kind of one of those franchises where things are usually have that like gloss sheen of things being awesome all the time where there can be problems and there's some conflict, but overall it's, like, smoothed over. So the picture you posted on Twitter actually kind of set this off in my head, right? I know Tarantino was talking about how you can take certain episodes that have really good storytelling, like, you know, City on the Edge of Forever or whatever it was called, um, and that's, like, a good plot that you can, you know, with little effort you can extend out and explore. Um, The one I would think Tarantino would be extremely well-suited for is... That story that we already know how it ends the Kittimer Massacre and the loss of the Enterprise c Okay. Right? You know, it has kind of a dark ending, but you know, there's positive things that come out of it. They've alluded to kind of stuff that happened in TNG and other stuff, like what happened to the ship, what was going on. And, you know, through other parts of the series, you kind of know there's like a lot of intrigue in that between the Klingons, the Romulans. You know, War, all War's Family, you know, the Enterprise C, all of that. You can, I feel like Tarantino, especially with building out the crew of the Enterprise C, which, again, no one has really touched on, right, throughout lore, but it's something that Tarantino could flesh out real well in a future film format. It's got a definitive start, definitive end. There's plenty of avenues for dialogue. You got a Starfleet ship that knows it's, like, walking in to, like, you know, A dangerous situation; they're probably not going to survive. And you know, all of whatever goes on there, there are some compelling storylines. Like, how does the crew hold up? What dialogue can go on? You know, people can be at each other's throat while things are falling apart. You know, all of that stuff could be very compellingly told in that window for that event. And I feel like a director like Tarantino could tell that story real well. Could tell it artistically. It gives Paramount an out if it doesn't work, but it also gives Paramount and like Jeff was saying in our little Twitter arguments back and forth paramount bringing in someone like that will give star trek a much wider you know birth to a lot more people because there's a lot more there's a ton of tarantino fans also and there's a well, ton yeah. of star trek fans yeah, yeah. and not all of them overlap no but if tarantino says hey i'm doing a star trek movie and you know and, and they, they hype it up that way i guarantee you're gonna get a lot of other people into the theaters you know it'll expose star trek to a lot of other people and it's kind of gotten to the point where Star Trek needs to kind of change its storytelling tact a little bit. It can still stay true, and with Tarantino's method of dialogue and his exposition and the way he tells stories, you could tell a pretty kick-ass Star Trek story. I would think you know you can get the dialogue down and all that.
0: No, I I don't I don't disagree. I I, I just I still I do I do struggle. I won't not say that I struggle to to see the mesh there. It depends on the story.
1: Um, I would say, like, I don't see him doing like a JJ verse type of movie. It just wouldn't work. Well, no, and but I wouldn't he,
0: expect it to go that route yeah. either. I just, uh, I just, yeah. But at the same time, the the most exciting thing about it for me would have been the fact that it would be such a dramatically different take on the universe mm-hmm. that, um, at the very least, you're you're getting something incredibly new versus yep. versus a a just kind of <clears throat> like we've been getting with the newer movies or just modernized takes on the you know What's the up? original series or or whatever else so um that's that's what i'm most interested in if it did happen would be would just be seeing um somebody have a uh, such a that has such a drastically uh different it would be hard to
1: see a Star Trek movie with everyone exploding in clouds of blood.
0: Yeah, so it, it, it yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's still just rumor. It's still just oh, rumor. Yeah. I, um, doubt I doubt
1: anything's gonna happen. It's probably just a rumor.
0: Yeah, but uh, but you know, but at the same time, Quentin said some kind of cool. all over the stuff things in the last couple of years with how he wants to uh, do movies. He said he was gonna be done after ten. So, uh, but uh, who knows, maybe that just means he's done coming up with his own stuff at 10 and he just wants to go on and do other Has things. Has his ninth or, movie been announced yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Jeff would probably be the one person on the planet that would be able to rattle that off immediately. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm damn not, it, Jeff. I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Jeff the pebble Johnston. <laughs> yes. The pe- The The pebble. Um, what else did you have listen, uh, listed here? Brian uh singer? Yes, um he got fired from the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. What okay, first of all, explain to me what the Bohemian Rhapsody movie is other the than 45 seconds of bliss in the 1990s called Classic Wayne's World. It's the biopic of Freddie Mercury and Queen. Really? Huh, yeah. I didn't even know that was happening. Huh. Didn't even know it was... Ha- I mean, that makes a lot of sense why it's called Bohemian Rhapsody, but I had no sure. idea that they were doing that. Um, fantastic. Okay. So why is he... Why did he get removed from the project? Did he touch the little boys too? Like, what, what happened here? I'm, I'm looking into that right now. They actually did actually pick up a new director.
1: They've, uh, they picked Dexter Fletcher to replace him. Okay. Um, who's done things like... Uh, he has done Eddie and the Eagle... Or, or sorry, Eddie and Eagle... Okay. bill, and he's got acting credits on Kick-Ass and Stardust.
0: Well, Eddie and the Eagle wasn't terrible.
1: Yeah, uh, t- 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 yeah this, is the, this is the one we actually talked about this movie a little while back. It's got Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury.
0: Oh, um- you know what? Yeah. No, that makes... Yeah. Now that you say that, I do recall having talked about it. Uh,
1: Alright, so from the sound of it... um. Singer had to take a break because uh, one of his parents has been uh, pretty ill. Mm. Um, and he's been trying to get that sorted out. So he was out in and out trying to do some stuff. And then he pretty much came out and said Fox has been refusing to give him any time off to deal with a sick family member that's like really important. And then Fox came out a couple hours later and said, yeah, you're fired.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So not diddling boys apparently.
0: Well, that's, that's, that's a fresh, uh, that's a fresh take on getting yeah, fired in Hollywood, uh, recently. So yeah, there's that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have to, I'm not even really, when, if it's a biopic, I'm not overly concerned about the, mm. the breadth of, of directing, you know, whatever. I think it's more important that they were a massive fan of Queen and Freddie because they're going to put so much more effort into, into making it a, a, a properly good project so uh we'll see how how uh, how it all pans out i i I'd be super interested in watching that uh I still think that Freddie is probably the greatest front man to have ever lived um in in music so uh totally down is that is there a date for that or is it still just kind of no
1: not from what i know uh,
0: uh well Outside of that, you've got such random stuff <laughs> listed here. I just started throwing down things. I you know. I like. It. Said, I like, like it. Nothing going on. I like it. You're like, like, what are we doing today? I just yeah. I had no I idea. I just got off of work and boom. I was out. I was out all day, and I was like, I wonder if this is going to be the one week that Panic hasn't looked at shit. So just, like, I didn't. I
1: got home and I was like, I hope Adams looked at shit.
0: Yeah. Oh, that. Wait. Hey, we got. Hey, look. We're we're an hour um, and forty two minutes deep. We've we have done it.
1: Due out December twenty fifth, twenty eighteen.
0: So oh, year. okay, next year. So one year, not bad. Um, Skyrim's being ported to vinyl, and nobody
1: cares. Yeah, yeah, but apparently for singer, they're saying uh, they, the the him being fired for absences was not the main reason. Apparently, I'm reading this article. It's pretty much saying that lead actors and stuff were saying that he's super toxic and wasn't really professional. Oh, get right. Yeah, that's where they can go. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. I'm going to bring it yeah, back to games
0: just briefly. Oh, God. Just briefly. Nothing major. Just just something I found, uh, just a giggle. As we discussed earlier on, I've been playing a lot of uh, of Oblivion. And so, obviously, my chat's been filled with lots of uh, what's your favorite Elder Scrolls game and, you know, blah, oh, blah, 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 blah. And, and so, uh, I discovered, apparently, somebody had linked it, that uh, some crazy fool has been... Um, periodically for shits and giggles, porting bits and pieces of Skyrim to the 3DS, and there was a, there was a little <laughs> video of, uh, of Run uh, that had a, had a bunch of the assets put in, no actors or anything like that, just assets, and just 30 FPS, not bad, you know? I was kind of impressed. Uh, I think he did it through Unity or something, I can't remember how how it all happened, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of funny to look at. And it was just like, in my mind, I was thinking, you know what? I bet you they already tried this. Uh, You you gotta believe that somebody at some point was like, man, we should get Skyrim on the 3DS. But I don't think, I don't think that's ever gonna, I don't think it's ever gonna happen. Too much, too much for the little 3DS to handle. I could see Morrowind being, you know, runnable on a, on a 3DS, but I don't think you're ever gonna get Skyrim. Not Not that we need it. it. We've got Skyrim on enough Skyrim's stuff. Enough places. Yeah, we got Skyrim in, in enough places. Uh, oh, oh yeah, that's another good one. We'll bring it back to uh, to games uh, uh, again. Here's uh, Felio Bolton. Chad just brought to uh, my attention. I've forgotten about this. Uh, Mega Man. Oh, 11's
1: coming out on the Switch and whatever, right? And there's Eleven,
0: jazz. and there's also like the, the Mega Man X they're series. Doing the, they're doing the pre-release stuff. Of the yeah, Olympus. so they announced this because this is like what the the. 30th? 20th anniversary? 30th? 30th thirtieth,
1: right, but it's probably 20th. I don't think Mega Man came out when I was one.
0: It's one or the other. Can't remember. Uh, but it was all based around that, and they announced it, just kinda out of nowhere. And I think there's some gameplay and stuff for it as well. And, um, uh, I, I think I saw like little bits of what I think was 11. Uh, but uh, I guess I want to. Ask, I'll ask you real quick your opinion. Do you think Mega Man works now?
1: Um, I mean, it's a classic platformer. Um, it all depends on how they do it and how they make it. As long as they don't try to go against the original like style. Um, anytime they try, the only game that's really made the transition platformer wise to 3D, I would say, uh, was probably Mario. Most of the other 2D platformers, when they go into three space, doesn't really work that well. Look like at Sonic. Metroid's been okay, but once they, you know, if they kind of do like a hybrid 2D, 3D approach where they keep the old platforming intact, it holds up a lot better.
0: Yeah, I, the way, the way I think I talked about it on, on stream the other day was when somebody brought it up, um, was, you know, I think, I think, I think Mega Man still works, but you have to target, uh, a pretty specific community with it. I don't think you can, you can make it, um... Necessarily, uh, just kind of like every other 2D platformer, you know, platform shooter that exists. I think you have to have. I think you have to have an element of difficulty there to attract people, and I think that you need to use the difficulty to drive people on Twitch to play it to drive sales. Uh, mm-hmm. Not boshy levels of difficulty, obviously, or some shit, but yeah. you know what I mean. It's a Mega Man game. Mega Man's associated with difficulty, and uh, Cuphead did really well despite yeah. the fact it had no name behind it previously and it is not an easy game. And oh, yeah. they sold, they sold a great number of copies of that. Uh, and, and Twitch definitely helped Cuphead out significantly. This
1: trailer looked straight fire though for Mega Man 11. Yeah. I can't see you guys playing this on stream.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's why, where, where I hope they go with it. Um, modernize, uh, modernize it a bit maybe with checkpoints oh, it looks, and stuff
1: looks pretty modernized
0: oh uh, with checkpoints and stuff but make it it more difficult i guess yeah. uh the trade off there um instead of being like a one and done scenario uh but yeah i'm happy that mega man's still around it pleases me that they're they're going back and giving it a shot mighty number no. 9 was a massive
1: oh that just bombed out it was so they, they didn't really make it no where they wanted to
0: so uh i'm i'm definitely definitely pleased that they're that they're bringing it back and uh, I hope it does well. We're going to find out. I don't know if they had a release. I think they probably announced a release date for that stuff. But I don't know when. I imagine it's probably next year sometime. Uh, spread out over the year.
1: No, it doesn't really say when it's coming out. yeah so I'm, I don't see anything just yet so they're probably just gonna keep it on the simmer for a yeah. while yeah uh,
0: i ima- I imagine probably you know late next year uh or throughout the year because they have a couple of titles that they're working on for it so uh there'll be a staggered release of some kind we'll we'll keep tabs on it uh let's head on over into tech support and answer some questions because I just put this up like while the podcast was going while Good the job. podcast was going. You got any questions? Uh, but we got we got questions here. We got questions here. Not not a problem. Tech support guys. For those of you who don't know, ten dollars and higher on Patreon.com/slash Technical Alpha nets you the ability to ask us questions on a weekly basis, and uh, we pick a couple to answer at the end of each podcast. It's pretty much how it works. Um,
1: I got one ready. Boom. On topic.
0: Hit me up with it. What is it?
1: This one's from RK Mira. He has a current $10 pledge lifetime support. $39 is an interesting
0: Get either. that microphone in your face, you
1: filthy okay. plebeian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't do this for a living like you. This is from RK Emera or Chimera. The $10 pledge, $35, $39 lifetime supporter. RKO out of nowhere. RKO out of nowhere. In the spirit of failed project management, What's the worst team project you've ever had to work on, where your teammates, coworkers completely dropped the ball? Hmm. For you, Adam? I'm also going to include college
0: experience with group projects. Mine actually happened outside of college. Ooh. Um. In the in the whopping year that I spent in the corporate world before uh, this this whole content creation thing kind of replaced my need to pencil push, um. So I worked, I was, I was brought in as a, as a met leave cover for a met leave cover. They replaced a woman as, uh, that, 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 or not replaced, but they had somebody come in because their original person was on maternity leave and they replaced her with a woman who coincidentally got pregnant. And before the other woman was back from maternity leave, needed to go on maternity leave herself. So they brought in the only person that couldn't possibly get pregnant, a 22-year-old male, and uh, plugged them in. That was me. And uh, they were hot in the midst of completely uh, building a new website, as well as a gold exchange website on the side, um, while still kind of you know maintaining their, their existing website. And I was taking place as basically the online marketing coordinator. And so I served underneath the marketing manager and I worked alongside, you know, they had a small team of, um, you know, design graphic designers and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, I had to, with, with literally zero context, um, the, 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 the manager didn't really provide me with any information. The second day I was at the job, I was sent off-site to uh, the company that was building the website for us, and uh, with zero context, I was handed a file folder, not, no idea was in it, and they sent me off to this place to have this meeting, and it was the, what time it was, it was the last signing off on before the finalization of the feature set for the site, it was that meeting, so I had no context. I had no idea where the website was, where it was going, what was happening, or anything. They gave me this file what folder. Year they is said, this? "They said, go for it." This was uh, twenty. No, no, that was, was a joke. What year? Yeah, but so yes, confused? it was. It was stupid that it was happening. So I just sent off and just go handle it. I was Like, all right, okay, good. So I go off, and I was in this meeting. I, I, I'm like, they're talking about new shit, and I'm reading what's in the file folder, trying to figure out you know what it is I'm supposed to be being okay with or whatever that gets signed off so so I had no idea I was like you know what sure this all looks like it's functional I'm sure it will be fine cool I had to train so this is a brand new website so their website previously was run run with cold fusion oh my god and I was Ancient. operating that I was operating that with like 3 4000 products on the website and I had to update with cold fusion manually and it was not fun. It's not fun. Uh, so there, you can guess at how old the equipment in this building was. Like, it was archaic. And uh, they had set me up to do all this shit that just happened, but I had to train a 55-year-old man who had almost zero computer experience. Like, And I mean the where's the power button type, you know, I don't know how to log in, Uh, Oops, I lost this file. Like, that's the kind of guy I was dealing with. I had to train him in how to, on a computer that was as old as I am, so it barely booted up, he had to be able to operate the entire back end of the Gold Exchange website by himself on this computer from, like, 1998 uh, with zero computer skills. I had to... uh, So the management didn't exist, is what I'm trying to say here. There was zero project management. I came in on a met Leave's met MetLeave and they just fucking tossed me in there and they were like, alright, no pressure but the corporate website's being rebuilt and we got this other website going and we need to train this guy over here and you've got like seven days. Have fun! And so I was like band-aiding old computer parts into the new computer to try and make it so it could at least turn on inside of an hour and I had to train this guy to do anything and I had to like, I wrote a manual For him so that he knew how to log into the back end of the gold exchange website so that he could manage it and shit. And it was just a complete shit show uh, from top to bottom. And uh, what made it worse was that um, despite the fact that they gave me all these things to do, I had almost zero autonomy. So I still had to go through, not even the project manager, but I had to go through the president of the company for anything that I was doing... Uh, and if it wasn't what he thought was the right way, I had to go back and redo everything that I already had done. They gave me this tiny window of time, which means I had to just kind of do whatever the fuck needs to be done and then I had to retcon half the shit that I did because he was like no that's not that's not going to work here it's not going to work for us and so I had to go back and do it all over again so it was a it was a complete shit show. We pulled it off they're still using the website now it's beautiful, <laughs> runs well uh but um it was the craziest. It was the craziest experience I've ever had, and uh, I'm happy I don't have to do that again.
1: <laughs> I've got two. Um, one is where I was the project manager, and the other is where I was not the project manager. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the one where I was not the project manager. Um, okay. So this was for this was for an actual professional organization, not like a small side gig or anything. Um, and I was brought in specifically to do QA work, effectively do, you know— Developers would deliver code. I would put it together and put it onto the system, and then I would test it, and then if everything was good, I would release it. That was that was what I was hired for. <laughs> um, great. Um, there for a couple of weeks, you know, got, got the lay of the land, figure out what's going on. Sweet. We get right before the release, and I start finding some really weird problems and gaps and bugs, so I start reporting them. And literally the day before we're supposed to go live, they're like, Hey, um, we're actually going to stall the release like a month or two, and uh, we have to re architect some pieces of it. I'm like, okay. <sighs> we get into the re architecting process to like, hey, Tabin, what are the requirements? And I'm kind of just looking at him like, what do you mean, what are the requirements? <laughs> I'm like, you found the bug, so you need to explain. It. I'm like, I just got here two months ago, man. <laughs> All right, I sit down with the BAPM hybrid role and we sit down and we hash out, you know, the gaps I found and what it, what I was told it was supposed to be. You know, like it's like hearsay my part and we start putting it together. Great. Developers go back, they deliver more stuff. We go through the whole cycle again for another month. Right? <laughs> we get towards the end like, oh hey, this actually isn't going to work. We got to push the release another month. Oh no! We gotta rearchitect even more of the system now. Oh we no! You gotta build some new stuff and integrate some all this other stuff that people want now. I'm like, all right. Oh yeah. By the way, um, so in, like these three people are moving on to other things, and we're gonna replace them with some new guys. And so we need you to train them too. I'm like, all right, great. I train them all up. <laughs> they rearchitect and the next thing. They're like, Hey, Tobi, where's the design doc for this? I'm like, what? what do you mean where's a design doc for this thing I Thought you wrote it up he's like no i thought you did i'm like i'm not the requirements guy on this it's like all right we'll get you a design doc I'm like thanks good go do your work repeat happens again another than two months go by oh my god Now, this cycle continues. We re-architect the system, and I've re-architected, tested, and deployed this thing like five, six, seven times to the thing.
0: I've I've ended up building
1: out and like treading new territory where no one has been before for building out this. And throughout this time, every re-architect, we lose a couple more people. Within a year, within a year, everyone who was on the team when I started is gone. Oh. Me and one developer are the senior people on this project.
0: That turnover.
1: Project managers, technical architects, business analysts, developers. They've like left the firm. They're like, we can't get away from the project fast enough. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, Jabeen, do you want to do that? And I'm like, yeah, promote me, man. I'm I'll, I'll, I'll totally willing to take this on." You know, but you got to promote me, give me the raise, give me the title and, you know, give me some people so we can work on the project. Like, oh, no, we can't promote you right now. You haven't been at the firm long enough. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And then I transfer to another team. Right now, they tried to pitch my position to other people to take the role at the level I was at. And they did not fill it for nine months. Oh my lord. Until the guy who was my former boss who left to go somewhere else wanted to come back and he took my job at oh, his old God. level. And that was the only way he would take oh. the job. And this was like a nine months after I'm off the project, he messaged me, he's like, Hey, do you have documentation? Can you explain to me where everything is? I'm like, What do you mean where's the documentation and where everything is? All right. And what's the other? What's what's your
0: other example?
1: Um, this one you you've you've heard me bitch and rant and moan about the aggressive
0: comics website. Oh, the web. Oh, fuck that whole that, thing. Uh,
1: that one. Uh, that one was uh, scheduled. Like we had we had our designers do the like artwork, almost similar to what Nikki did for the Tech Alpha site, Pixel Perfect for all the things. I wrote requirement specifications based on talking to all the users and everything, and we went and we like sourced out the project to three different development firms. Um, you know, and I'm like, look, we have the India team, which came because my boss. is Like I want the cheapest thing. I'm like, well, we got India. They'll do it for like three grand. But honestly, I've worked with Indian development teams and you know, for our stuff, it's not going to be great. Like there's probably going to be problems. And then there was a European firm and an American firm, The European firm. I'm like, you know what? This is a reasonable price. Let's go with them. It's only like seven or eight grand, but they'll do everything we want custom, you know, for the custom WordPress stuff and they'll put it together. And, you know, we'll, we'll, You know, we won't have to do too much work. It'll be pretty turnkey. The US firm was like 12 grand. Uh, My boss is like, Debine, I have faith in you. I'm going (laughs) to go with the India design firm.
0: Oh my God. I'm like, why?
1: Why? Why, man? He's like, look, they promise four weeks and three grand. That's awesome. The European guys are going to take eight weeks. I'm like, man, come on. Don't cheap out on me. You know, this is the website you're going to be using for years. Oh my God. Goes and pays the Indian design firm. We have our meeting and they say, you know what, four weeks, we can have this done.
0: Four weeks.
1: And I'm like, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, you know, I want a checkpoint in two weeks. You know, if there's any issues, you know, we can discuss it. We can have, you know, discussions on, you know, any issues. I think, yes, sir, we understand completely. Two week checkpoint. All right, so I'm going over it. You know, the demo page looks all right. You know, not they're like we're going to implement like the underlying functionality in the next two weeks, and but do you like? I'm like, yeah, it looks. You know, the looks and look and feel is fine. All that great. I'm not going to go into detail, but now whenever people bring up this project, I get the thousand yard stare, and I kind of (laughs) just remember things.
0: (laughs) Um, You You get the
1: Vietnam flashbacks. This site. Took almost a year and a half to get delivered. That's from so a four-week estimate.
0: That's so like, ins- it's so. They delivered insane. the
1: final site, and the final site looked exactly like what we pitched them. Exactly like what we pitched them. But it took over a year. Oh no no no! Like when they delivered in like five or six weeks, it looked exactly like what we wanted oh, until okay. you started clicking
0: buttons. Oh. Well, that's kind of the- great that you can you can you can make it look the same, <laughs> yeah. but. The moment we started clicking buttons, things
1: got weird. And we're like, hey, this doesn't even meet requirements, man. Like, what the hell's going on here? And they're like, oh, we didn't understand your requirement. We will fix. And at this point, I'm having meetings with them like every week. And after a year, I'm like, you guys are wasting so much of my time. Holy I was like, crap. like it was just like ridiculous. Just the the point amount where we were of time like, yeah. that
0: could have been saved just spending the extra and money. I, I, and whenever there's an issue, I,
1: I, whenever there's an issue with the website stuff, for the we actually ended up taking the site from them, not done, and taking it back in house and coding it ourselves, which took a while, which is what we wanted to avoid doing in the first place. And then we ended up redesigning it completely afterwards. We're like, fuck this crap. The code's just too trash. Oh my! And t- I told him, I'm like, I warned you, man. You cheaped out. And look at what you did. This is That's, why my beard is
0: gray. It's absolutely awful. Yeah. That's just, well, I mean, at the same time, you know, I guess we, in, the, in the grand Don't scheme of Don't use Indian design firms yeah, no, well, yeah, there's your, behavior. There's your cautionary tale. Uh, topical one for this time of, of year, I guess, Um, comes in from Jason Lynch. $10 current, 70 lifetime. Thank you, Jason. So since it's that time of year, Let's settle the age-old debate: What do you, you top a Christmas tree with—a star or an angel? Do you have? Do I look
1: like I celebrate Christmas. you better? Don't. Terrible. One, one. I'm Muslim. I, I would love to celebrate Christmas, but two, I don't think I've ever actually gotten like a Christmas gift. Like other <laughs> than, I, I think I mentioned this last year. Like I mentioned to someone, like. I never really got a Christmas gift ever like it's just and, and I, it's not like something I mind like it's just something my family never did um, and ah, someone some random guy on Twitch is like, yo, what's your battle net I'm gonna send you anything like, like a Christmas gift. I'm like okay the
0: most wonderful time of the i'm I'm a star guy yeah. personally i'm i'm not star a guy. I'm not an angel guy. the we had we had an angel that we would set up at home on the, on on a, on a writing, Christmas gifts, yeah, like on a writing desk, but the tree always a star.
1: Always a star. Oh, is always it a star. Uh, is it the pentagram
0: or like? Yes, it's the pent. Yes, it's the pentagram. Uh, I, I don't actually, know. I don't know how you roll at. We actually also hang our crosses upside down for the ah. season as well, uh, and put sense. lights on them. Uh, yeah. It's great. You know, the nice little rotating lights around it. Just really nice kind of Las Vegas effect.
1: Let's put that on top of the tree right there.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, that's a very short tree. Before you need to start worrying about the size of the shield. I feel like. Well, but no, we'll just put the shield right at the top. Just make sure it's sturdy enough to not tip. Always a star. Always need to um to, to see that. It just looks better to me. An uh, angel on top always looks so weird uh, to me. It just didn't look like it fit right. So, shoutouts to all those using, uh, using a star. I'll oh, do one more question here. I'm going to um, do
1: this one. What? I'm going to do this one. Okay, what do you got? I'm going with Sergeant Dragon, bro.
0: Okay. Oh this one's man. uh
1: yeah man this is important i need oh, to boy. know this about you okay what's the best brand of peanut butter and crunchy or creamy well since to put your peanut butter
0: on since we are in totally different countries the brands of peanut butter that we are going to enjoy are totally different um it's irrelevant but here um i, I i'll i'll say whether crunchy or creamy first i'm I I go through periods of both actually uh, where sometimes oh, and it's usually, it's not like it's not like short spurts it's months long so there will be like a, a period where I just want crunchy peanut butter on everything and so I'll buy crunchy peanut butter and then there's another period where I will buy nothing but smooth peanut butter I'm currently in a smooth peanut butter phase
1: you smooth motherfucker yeah no, cra- and so craft really peanut
0: butter is what i buy 99% of the time here is craft craft peanut butter crunchy or creamy doesn't much matter the the reason why i tend to sometimes avoid the the creamy uh, peanut butter here if it's not um if it's not like not organic or, not organic but natural peanut butter is just the amount of icing sugar in it i just try to avoid it although it is nice and convenient to not have to stir your peanut someone butter someone in chat
1: just said crunchy it's chunky i'm like all right bro First of all, there is actually a difference. There is, there is yes. a third type. There is a third type. There is. There's is crunchy, yep. chunky, yep. and creamy. Crunchy, you'll have your peanuts like broken down into a bunch of little pieces and it'll be spread much more evenly through. Chunky, you'll have entire nuts or pieces of nuts like larger pieces of nuts, yeah. less homogeneously through the peanut butter.
0: It's like grades of sandpaper.
1: Yes. 40 and grit creamy, peanut butter. And then creamy is like butter.
0: Yeah, pretty Which, much.
1: I'm not a creamy guy. I'm, a, no? I'm a very much a crunchy or even chunky. You know what? Bring on the texture. Okay, I like that crunch. What do you put it on though? What's it, what are your applications for peanut butter? Um, only in peanut butter cups or on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay, I don't put peanut butter on other things. That explains
0: a, why you're you are you are into the category I'm that you are. Butter,
1: I'm, I'm not a peanut butter and banana guy. I'm not a peanut butter. And on weird things, (laughs) you put peanut butter on weird things and hand it to me. I'm going to backhand you peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
0: I, I will put like ketchup. I will put peanut butter on damn near anything. I I just, anything. I had that Daryl's peanut butter burger and I was left wanting. Mm. Did you, wait, did you even get the peanut? I thought you got a different burger than the peanut butter burger. I got the peanut
1: butter burger because you were hyping it up. And then Brian and I were like, I would have rather gone with the spicy one.
0: Yeah, well, I was hyping it up because I enjoy it. But uh, I realized that you like you smooth told, peanut butter, and I'm you, like, now this makes sense to me. Why Adam would hype this up? Well, first of all, the peanut butter they use in the burger isn't smooth, so get that smooth. shit out of here. No, nah. uh. no, nah, it's not. It's crunchy. But step two to that to that uh, equation of the bur- if I had known previously that the only things you put peanut butter on was sandwiches and other peanut butter then i i, I wouldn't <laughs> <Sandwiches> be <laughs> then i wouldn't i wouldn't i would not have suggested the peanut butter burger you have to you have to like mm. peanut butter for that to work i like peanut butter <laughs> well you have to like you 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 like peanut butter that's like that's like saying that's like saying i like uh i like fucking, uh you know queen but i only can name you bohemian rhapsody like you, I, I like, like ice cream and you don't see me slapping ice cream on everything. Well, that doesn't but but the applications in which you use ice cream in might be more limited than somebody else's. If you're gonna put peanut butter on a burger, you need to have a pretty broad range of where you're gonna put your peanut butter. You can't just you can't just be limited to peanut butter sandwiches and Reese's peanut butter cups. Like that shit's not gonna go over well for you at all.
1: And in terms of brand, I go with what choosy
0: moms shoes, and that's JIF. <laughs> That's when I, we get, we have Jiff here as well. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, of, of my, all the American friends I have, Jeff seems to be the, the, the go-to most of the time. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I am a choosy mom. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. But I put peanut butter on damn anything. I mean, I'm a peanut butter banana, peanut butter apple, uh, peanut butter burger, peanut butter cups for sure. Although they changed the formula of that, and I'm not uh, a, biggest, a big enough fan of Reese's peanut butter cups anymore as I used to. But peanut butter on damn near Peanut butter on ice cream. You take peanut butter and put it peanut on butter vanilla, jelly time. Uh, vanilla ice cream? Delicious. Put peanut butter on fucking anything. That's pretty much where I'm at with, with that. Uh, I'm not even a big peanut butter and jelly sandwich guy. I'll just make a peanut butter sandwich. I do that too. I'll have just peanut butter. Like, I don't need the jam or the jelly. I don't need that. Just give me the peanut it butter. It depends. Like,
1: if I want something that's not going to
0: completely dry
1: my mouth out, I'll usually throw something else in there because the jelly helps, like, you know, you not Do you want to know act. what
0: the goat is? The goat? What's the goat? Butter first, then peanut butter, then banana, then honey. Sandwich, life-changing experience not the banana life, peanut butter guy. life changing experience. Take the banana out, peanut butter, butter, honey, also still a life changing experience.
1: I'll give that a go this winter. Give, we'll give it give it
0: goes. a go. I'm telling you. And use your chunky or whatever cuz it'll be great. It'll be whatever. It'll replace the banana for texture and just uh, and just go wild with it. It's it is very 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 tasty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now that we've tackled some of the most, con- you know, uh, important issues, complex issues in society today, like which version of peanut butter do we we're going to call it a show there. We're going to wrap it up another episode of Technical Alpha in the books, the two-man show, running wild, at two hours, 13 minutes, and six seconds. Not the bad. Booyah. Not bad at all. Let's do a quick shout out to our Patreon producers who continue to put food in our mouths uh, and hopefully continue to after Patreon tries to take food from theirs. Jetrix, Postal Panda, Jamaican Jazz, Adam B, Toad of Steel, Naily, Derek P, Fry C., Ice Wolfie, Jorbok, Lars M, Matthew W, and Xavier A. All of you legends and sowers. It's just basically everyone else. On our Patreon page, supporting us the way that you do, because again, one in four listeners—it's a crazy ratio. I'm loving it. You're gonna be getting uh, your stuff soon. Panic is actually been sending stuff. Like, there's how many packages? Like 500. I have to pack
1: 500 boxes.
0: There's a lot of boxes.
1: boxes.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to get them all packed
1: because I have to do all the labels at once. So like, yes. it's just really tedious to do like some labels and some packages. So Like I am packing everything up. My hallway is like just filling up boxes
0: lined with boxes. Um, So when you start receiving it, please
1: send us pictures,
0: send us pictures, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, uh, Patreon, wherever you want to send us those pictures. We'd love to see them because they're going to be on route. Uh, we will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, Thank you once again for listening. You can check us out, technicalalpha.audio if you want to get more information on the podcast. If this is maybe your first time listening, Uh, shout-outs to anyone and everyone that rates us on iTunes because it really does go a long way. And uh, let somebody that you know uh, know about Technical Alpha if you think it's something they'd be into. We'd uh, appreciate that help uh, in terms of growing the podcast as well. And until next week, do us a favor. Have a good one. And uh, we will see you next time. And until we do see you, peace, Panic. You look like you want to say something. Not bad, duh, Jeff. Oh, we just lost all of our Patreon users. Worth all of them.